Yeah, just don't lose this recording. Oh. Wow. It cuts deep. That hurt me a little bit. You seem like a calm and reasonable person. All right. Constant Crusade podcast. Chris Gillyfor and Nick Durheim. Nick, what are we doing today? Um, I think we're going to check out the nominations for this year's Game Awards and give our predictions onto who, which we think they are going to do the winning. Okay. I got to say right off the bat here, boys. I've got the gameawards.com up. I have logged in so I can vote as I go. I've already looked at all the nominees. I looked at last year's winners. I'm feeling pretty good. I know this isn't a competition, but I'm going to treat it like one. I've also narrowed it down based on what I think we even have anything to say. So I've got 15 categories out of the I don't know how many there actually are. Most excellent. Do you want me to go down the ones that I deemed the most applicable to our interests, EJ, and then you give me your feedback on which could also be cut or which you think are missing does that sound appropriate to you i kind of just want to go down the whole 31 category i don't want to go down the whole goddamn 31 i'm not talking about content creators i'm not talking about vr no kidding me yeah those are always the fun ones because that's what it's like we're all gonna vote elden ring for game of the year like it's the content creators and the fucking like esports team of the year that that really determines who wins this battle okay just the shot in the dark I mean, that's a, that is a, you know, that's your belief. Chris, what do you think? I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that so much. I can't even tell you. I don't give a fuck about content creators. I don't. EJ's filibustering. I don't give a fuck about (laughs) esports. Let's oh just make it. You just pick based on who, who's your what, who's wearing a T-shirt in the picture that is your most favorite of the colors. EJ, I already did my blind voting a couple weeks ago. I don't want to repeat that disaster. Well, then, okay, so okay, well then we don't have to go through all of them, but then I'm gonna need to find a cheat sheet that is in the order that you're doing it in, so that I can reference it as needed. Here, you want me to here? Look at this. I'll just give it to you. I'll screenshot. That's this is my cheat sheet. This is Ooh. the order in which I cut off game of the year because we all know that's happening. But you know. Okay, I also don't want to be checking out your ding dong while we're doing this. Let <laughs> me fix that webcam there, buddy. I do. I don't need you to be tubing on us. Best thing that's happened all day. Hey. <laughs> okay. That smooth pivot pan up. Good God. Okay, so Nick, you're gonna be keeping track of our picks. We've done this before. We're gonna we're gonna chat about them. We're gonna get in some friendly arguments. I'm I'm fresh off of just beating God of War an hour ago, so I I feel wow. I feel juiced up. I'm ready to you know competition with Brennan really lit a fire under your ass. Yeah, it did. It did. You know, like you said, you're a real competitive guy, EJ. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> we had no big argument about it. Are we doing Trump impressions to coincide with the recording of this on the day of his 2024 presidential announcement? Is that what we're doing? Wait, 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 wait! Did I go? Did I go a little Trumpy in there? It was just I said. You said it's uh, it's not a, it's not a competition, but uh, I mean, it, everything's a competition when you when you think about it. And uh, I have the best uh, competitive. Uh, <laughs> EJ doesn't like competing. He just likes making deals. Okay, I love making deals. At one point during the fantasy critic draft, I, I thought about going to Chris and was like, "Hey." If you drop this counter pick, I'll drop this counter pick, and we'll fuck Nick. But then I learned that you can't drop counter picks. I just want to wheel and deal, man. Let's not bring that into this. Okay, so starting off, we have most anticipated. This is sort of like the joke category. I think this is one of the ones that's only uh, considered by fan vote. It's not one that's left up to the elite, the critics that are 
casting their votes in this. I think this is purely fan votes. And hold on, I actually, I actually have to go and click on it because I'm an idiot. But most anticipated, we got next year Final Fantasy 16, Hogwarts Legacy, Resident Evil 4, Starfield, and The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Chris, I'm gonna let you. Uh, let's do this first. I got to think about this. <laughs> oh, that's very kind of you. That's that's downright chivalrous. Uh, now I was just gonna ask, do we want to have like an order? Because I think that would help me instead of us like staring at each other like dipshits every time we get to a category. Well, right now I have it ordered based on our draft order. So I went Chris, then me, then EJ. Hey, perfect. So we can go that way. We can either snake it. We can just do one, two, three, one, two, three. Up to you. It doesn't really matter. This is as much lower stakes than our highly, highly competitive draft. (laughs) Oh, yes. I'm down one, two, three, one, two, three. Keep it simple. And do we all have to choose different games? Is that is that part of it? No. No, 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 no. Okay, great. I was like, holy shit. That would be fucked. I would would want to snake that if we were actually like (laughs) drafting for position votes here. Boy, this is interesting. Uh, Okay, so it's entirely based on fan voting. uh, And it is, I'm trying to think of who's going to turn out, who's going to show up for these stupid polls. I think that that rules Square Enix out on face. Uh, I think that it'll sell plenty copies, but it's going to be, you know, nerds like me who are just like, ah, yes, Final Fantasy. Uh, <laughs> give me Zelda. Give me Zelda. Zelda. Tears of the Kingdom. Okay. I do very much agree with you that Zelda will outsell Final Fantasy. I think they both have a lot of anticipation. Honestly, almost all these. I think Hogwarts is probably the, the weak candidate amongst these five. Resident Evil 4 looks fantastic. Final Fantasy 16 has shown up and looks really great except for maybe like a strange new battle system which might turn some people off i think it's between starfield and legend of zelda and i agree that it's going to be legend of zelda starfield this is the one that's been in development hell right i don't know about development hell they announced it a long time ago but it's a bethesda game and those games take forever i mean i literally just saw elder scrolls 6 trending on twitter like three days ago like like (laughs) People are not talking about Starfield. (laughs) Uh, It's definitely Zelda. It's definitely Zelda. It's been five, almost six years since Breath of the Wild. Without a doubt, Zelda. It'll be more than six years when the game comes out from the previous Zelda game, which is the longest distance between mainline uh, Zelda games. A little fun fact for you. Who wants to put a prop bet on whether or not it'll launch alongside the Switch Pro in March? It's not going to release alongside the Switch Pro in March because the game doesn't come out till May, Chris. Oh, (laughs) fake fan. (laughs) Anyway, so no matter who gets that, none of us get any points. So moving on, we have best debut indie, which is for the best debut game created by a new independent studio. And our our, uh, nominations are nominees i don't know how do you say things neon white uh norco stray tunic and vampire survivors i'm gonna go ahead and actually screenshot the uh little images just to give you an idea of what these games look like if you forgot or if you don't recognize them which is fair because they are indie games so they do not have the kind of marketing power as uh, god of war or final fantasy chris which of these games have you heard of Oh, uh, three of them. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. no. I mean, I've heard of three of them. I, I have not heard of Norco. I haven't heard of Vampire Survivors. I think that Norco is the kind of masturbatory stuff that I think you might like. Actually, Norco. Yeah, it's like a point-and-click adventure, sort of uh, magical realism, uh, sci-fi futurist, but like in a kind of a small town kind of vibe. You don't say. 
that does sound, that does sound really interesting. But I know that Neon White kind of exploded when that hit. I saw a lot of like favorable coverage for that. Tunic obviously got a lot of good press, but like, how how do you not go with the the game of the year nominee in this category? It's Stray. Give me the cat game. Give me the cat game. Double my money. Yeah, I mean, yes. Spoilers for what's uh, nominated for game of the year, but Stray is among them, which uh, we'll talk about that later. But I think that does give it an edge over these other cat these uh, other picks in the category. I thought maybe the Dark Horse would be something kind of weirdly niche but also not with vampire survivors it seems like every single game journal with a podcast was just ranting and raving about this game as being like the steam deck game because it's a one stick game it's sort of like an idle game mixed with a roguelite it seems like a kind of game that ej would spend like 300 hours on accident on a weekend and just be like i I don't know what happened and then just like never think about it ever again that's a long weekend this boy i don't know if you know this but uh he does not have a regular work week so his weekend Basically lasts as long as he wants it to. Absolutely. <laughs> Look at that beard. <laughs> Look at that beard top ponytail. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have to agree that Stray uh, Stray is the most likely candidate to win in this category. Stray is the game that most people have heard about because it was backed by Sony. It was released for free day of on Sony's well, what do they call it now? They they just change, they just rebranded. Plus. Is it PS Plus still, or or they they yeah. re, they have new tiers for it anyway? Whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be stray. I hope we get to some contentious picks here soon because looking at the categories, <laughs> I don't know if I think we're going to just be aces all the way down here, boys. Yeah, I I think a lot of these are a little bit. You know, you never know till you actually get to it. But I mean, just amongst these, I do want to play Tunic. Um, Norco, I said, would be more of a Chris game. I don't know if it really interests me. I haven't bought Vampire Survivors. Stray is not my vibe. Neon White is also a game I want to play because it seems like a very fun, fast, frenetic kind of pick up and replay and replay kind of game, which I do appreciate quite a lot. And it's got a, a soundtrack by an artist that I like a lot called Machine Girl, which is like this really crazy EDM kind of, I don't know what you would describe it as, but it's a lot of fun. So... That intrigues me as well. It's got fucking uh, the voice of Spike Spiegel as the main character. So that's also fun. Moving on, we're going to (laughs) the best family game, which is always colloquially the best Nintendo game. And this year we've got Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, Mario plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, Nintendo Switch Sports, and Splatoon 3. Oh, this is tough. And they call this best family for the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform. Before we dive into actually casting our votes here, Nick, do you have any insight into which of these franchises has won in the last five years? Did Splatoon 2 win? Did Mario Rabbids? Splatoon 2 probably did not win because they that came out the same year as Mario Odyssey, and I'm pretty sure yeah. Mario Odyssey won yep. in 2017. Okay. Um, same with the... First Mario plus Rabbids. Uh, Kirby, I don't believe, has ever won. It's never really had this big of a release. I feel right. like Kirby and the Forgotten Land was like, it's sort of, hey, check us out. We're, I know you've heard of Kirby, but actually take us seriously this time. And then the Lego games, I don't know. The Lego games are like a total family favorite. I mean, I know you have. I saw it on your shelf, but I don't know how much you've actually played it. If you just played with Daniel for a little bit or whatever. But I mean, those Lego games are wildly popular. I don't think Nintendo Switch Sports has like a, a shot in hell. No. Here, but between <laughs> the other four games, those are four fantastic games. And depending on how you're looking at this, if you're looking at this as what I think most people are, which is what is the best game on this list versus what is the best family game on this list? I think it's going to be what's the best game on this list. 
And that could be really anything, depending on uh, who all is voting. It's hard to deny the allure of Lego. Um, some of these feel like really big stretches for family play for me. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't see why. What does that mean? Yeah. Why is an RTS on this list? Like what? What fucking family sits around and is like, let's let's play a real time strategy game together. That'd be a fucking gas on a Friday night. No, to me, this this is a clear choice for me. And I hope we get into a little a little debate on this one. But um, I, I think this has got to be Kirby. I was so taken by that game. I thought that it was one of the uh, I think it's one of the best titles on the Switch period. Uh, I think that it's the best Kirby game probably since Crystal Shards on the 64. Uh, I I cannot say enough good things about this game. I loved it. I loved playing it. I played it all the way through, co-opted the entire game, did all the post-game stuff. I adore this game. I do still need to go back and uh, finish Forgotten Land. I was having a good time. Not like a great time, not enough to like really propel me forward and like to keep me coming back for more, but that can just be like a vibe. That's could just be like, a, I'm not feeling it right now, but I did enjoy it. had a good time. Um, been wanting to check out Lego Star Wars because I've never played any of the Lego games. And this one seemed like the one, it seemed like the one that kind of broke the formula and sort of refined it down to its constituent parts to like a T. And then Mario and Rabbids, I know it just will be on sale. Like, so che- like that game, the first game has been like $10 for the past, like four years. So I can wait. I've got so many other games to play. Platoon three, EJ and I, you we just had like a great weekend with that game. I know you have your qualms with it, obviously, because it's an online game made by Nintendo. But even despite all that, we can still have a great time trying to take on boss salmonids and, and salmon run and like, you know, trying to do tricolor turf wars, even though we can only have two people on our team because it's 2v4v2. You know, this is weird shit, but it's still a great time despite all of its flaws. Um, God, but yeah, best family. You just look at these games and I think the most when you th- when it. <laughs> Because best family, you think for kids, right? That's like the implied thing. Like, what's the best game your son or your little nephew can play? And I think of these, it's either Kirby or Star Wars. And I, I got to go with Kirby. I think Kirby's a better game, probably. Lego Star Wars, no offense, I haven't played it yet. But I will play it eventually, and I'll give you my verdict on that with, you know, authority when I do. But until then, I think it's Kirby. This is tough. Obviously, uh, we're we're not casting votes here for uh, our favorite game. We're not casting votes for the best game. We're trying to just like the the fantasy critic draft. We're trying to play the meta game of understanding who the voters are. Uh, you know who 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 is the the game awards really marketed to? So so looking up sales numbers. You know Kirby it, it sold like five and a half million copies based on what I think is the most recent data, Splatoon has sold like 10 million copies. In, in Skywalker Saga, it's probably right next to Kirby there. It, it's definitely going to come down to a Nintendo game. I'm almost tempted to say Splatoon here, just based on how many copies are out there. Remember that the audience only per, uh, takes up like 10% of the vote. 90% of the vote is weighted towards the critics who are the voting audience. Okay. Okay. And is it good? Like at the end of the day, is it good? <laughs> you're trying to you try to bait me here a little bit. Like Nick said, Splatoon three, like my grievances with the game pretty much come down to Nintendo's inability to like do anything like really well. And this is essentially just the third port of a game we got seven years ago. Um, or the second port, third iteration. Um, so it's a little frustrating. The core experience is still fun, and when you have a group of people, it's like as maddening as it is fun. But yeah, uh, <sighs> 
this is tough. Ninety percent of the score comes from uh, the critic's voice, which makes me think that this will be an easy Kirby. It was it was well liked. I don't think a Lego game is going to take it over two uh, and a half Nintendo games here, uh, disregarding Nintendo Switch Sports. <laughs> So I'm going to vote Kirby, and we're three for three down the board here to get together, wow. boys. <laughs> wow. I'm just looking really quick to see what the Open Critic scores are for these games. I know that Kirby is sitting at an 85. Splatoon's like an 82. Splatoon. Splatoon's like, yeah, 83. 83. Lego Star, yeah, Lego Star Wars, 80, 82. Yeah. And then um, Mario Plus Rabbids, I believe, is also sitting around. Four or five. It's an 86. 86, wow, okay. If you want to just go based on that, you know, that's a little... <laughs> No. <laughs> but yeah, family game. I think the category does take a little bit of shine on it. Maybe not wholly. I still think that it is really like which of these is your favorite. It takes two. One last year. Yeah, last year was a weak year. Yeah, should have been Monster Hunter IMO. But you know. <laughs> Next up, best role playing for the best game designed with rich player character customization and progression, including massively multiplayer experiences. The nominees including Elden Ring, Live Alive, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Triangle Strategy and Xenoblade Chronicles Three. Do we even have to debate about this one again? Do we just? I think we do. I think we do. And I'll tell you why. I again, think it's we not do. favorite, Chris. It's no, just, I. What do we think's gonna win? Okay, first of all, are you implying that I was gonna pick Pokemon? Because fuck you, if so, because my grievances on that game are well documented. So you can, you, I'll tell you right where to stick that. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're gonna vote for, but if it's not Elden Ring, you're wrong. <laughs> Here's the thing. You need to think about this in terms of what I remember most from the Game Awards last year is looking at the Game of the Year nominees like Metroid Dread, obviously, like I had hoped that would win Game of the Year. I didn't think it would, but I figured, oh, best action adventure. Is that even going to be a question because it's a Game of the Year nominee, even though there are other games that like arguably you could you could say could have won the category? I think that because Elden Ring is such a heavy favorite to win Game of the Year, I think the voters are going to look in best role playing. I get, I think they're going to look for something else in best role playing. Give me Xenoblade Chronicles three for best role playing game in the, you, you could call it a, uh, 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 a consolation prize for, uh, you know, pulling the surprise game of the year nomination and not digging it out. But I, I think that they're going to spread the love around. I don't think we're going to see anything winning. I don't think we're going to see Elden Ring winning in multiple categories like that because it's probably going to be game of the year. Ah, this is how you know Chris doesn't listen to our podcast because I've been done in by that exact same train of thought. <laughs> Not one year, but two years of predictions. <laughs> Zelda, anybody? That's a trap. It's Fucking a trap. Horizon won nothing because of Zelda, and it was nominated in like nine categories. So I, I like where you're going with that, Chris, but I disagree. Nick? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the trap that you think of. Like, oh, let's give someone else their flowers, but... And to be fair, I don't know why, but Xenoblade Chronicles 3 did manage to get a nomination for Game of the Year, which is like, you know, great. I love that. I love that it's going to be part of the Game Awards medley of music for the the final presentation. Like that's going to get my heart pump and I'm going to get I'm going to get weepy. I tears will be in my eyes. I will have goosebumps and I will be happy about it. But it's got to be Elden Ring. I mean, it's the best game on this list and it's going to win game of the year. And in other categories, I think it has a chance of losing to its competition, but not in this one. I think these RPGs are all good, but Elden Ring is game of the year. So I think it's going to take it in this category as well. To play devil's advocate. Oh, great. 
Again, I, I too am voting Elden Ring, and 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 I do want to acknowledge that Chris, that that line of thought that has been a trap for me in previous years, like this isn't like the Oscars. It's not. It's not as established. You know, the voices who are voting for these things, like they could go that direction this year. Like it, oh, they could just flip the switch and be like, "Well, I really love Elden Ring. I'm gonna vote for it three times, but here I'm gonna vote for X." Like it could happen, but it hasn't in the past. So. It's like fool me once kind of thing, you know, fool me twice. So here we are. Some people might say, well, Elden Ring. Is it really an RPG? Exactly. Yeah. Is it? Is it as much as X, Y, or Z? Does it deserve to be talked about next to? So that could come into play, especially if it wins like fucking four other categories or or the people voting to you know put it in the four other categories. But Elden Ring was so universally beloved and it sold so fucking well it's just hard to, to go against that you know so i'm going on ring very fair and yeah like i said the trap of thinking oh they'll vote for it in this category but they won't vote it down the line i think could maybe take into effect with like some of the indie categories but even then you 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 follow the exact opposite of your argument by saying stray in the in the debut indie so i mean it's just not at all. That's not going to win Game of the Year. Yeah, but it's it's nominated for Game of the Year. But that's the exact same argument I used. Uh, I'm using here for Xenoblade. It's like the other Game of the Year candidate in that category. They're like, we should give Xenoblade some some recognition here. We think it's worthy of being nominated for Game of the Year. Maybe it's the best RPG. That's fair. I yeah, I just think it's a trap, and I, I want Xenoblade to win something. I don't know if it's going to win in any of the categories it's in. Which I mean, it's awesome that it even got nominated. Like. When you're a fan of a more niche series, you're just happy to see it be there. Like Metroid Dread was amazing. Last you don't got to tell me, brother. Played on the stage. Yeah, exactly. Like We're <laughs> on the same page. I'm glad you understand. <laughs> Preaching to the choir. Okay. Best action adventure, which is like best game of the year. Uh, light. We've got <laughs> for the best action adventure game, combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. We've got a Plague Tale Requiem, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray and Tunic. Quick question. Why is Stray in this list? <laughs> what, what combat do you do in that game? What a great fucking question. Oh, it says combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an adventure game, I think. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Where are they going to put it otherwise? Question mark. I mean, I don't. That's like a, I don't know, like best life sim, except you're a cat. Like what, what even would you put that category in? I don't know. Um, best cat game. But is it better than Neko Atsume? Good question. Can't play it on your phone. I got all the cats in that game and every souvenir. <laughs> Literally every souvenir. All right, quit stalling. Decoration. Which one Sorry. is it? <laughs> oh, it's got a war. Easy. It's got a war. Uh, okay, I don't yeah. think that's uh, a question. I think the follow-up to uh, 2017's Game of the Year, one of the most impactful narrative games that I've ever played, uh, and just kind of a shocking achievement, frankly, given like the series history of just being like a gore fest. And then turning into this like really poignant like tale of like this father and son relationship and him like unpacking all this damage he's lived through. I mean, it was a it was a revelation. So I'm gonna take more of a good thing. Uh I think God of War wins the Sony sweepstakes here over the perhaps slightly less anticipated and maybe wrongfully so Horizon Forbidden West. Um Yeah, God of War. Yeah, I think I'm with you because we've got three heavy hitters. I think it's between those three. I think it's between Plague Tale, God of War, and Horizon. Plague Tale doesn't have a chance, so it's between God of War and Horizon. And nobody really cared about Horizon after it came out, and God of War is still out, so people are, are still thinking about it. I think that um, plays a, 
I'll play a lot in this category and I don't know. I, there hasn't been like a lot of detracting voices that I've heard. There's plenty of people out there that think, you know, okay, this is just more of the same. It's, it's not really meeting my expectations, but they cannot fault it for its quality or it's like what they've accomplished. So I think everyone who's going to be saying, yeah, it's God of War. They're not going to have enough people arguing against them to put uh, their vote towards something else. So it's obviously God of War. I won't belabor this point too much because uh, you guys haven't played uh, God of War to completion yet, but I just beat it and, and we'll do a podcast in the coming weeks where we talk about it, which I'm really excited to do. And I wish we had talked about the first game in depth because I had so much to say about it. But for me, the first game was like a nine uh, and, and, and Ragnarok is like a seven and a half. It, it it's very similar to Nick. We talked about it this weekend. Very similar to like Last of Us Part Two. Like all the ingredients were there, and it was just like this connective tissue that that didn't quite pull it together. Whereas at least Last of Us Two had the benefit of like actually markedly improving the gameplay and world design. Whereas God of War literally is just the same game. It's more of an epilogue than a sequel. So so anyway, all of that to say, um, it's still the best game on this list and will definitely win uh, the category. Shout out to Tunic. It looks really, really good. I really want to play Tunic and I will as soon as it gets a physical release on Switch because I love the conceit of a indie Zelda game, but mixed with like the sort of puzzle-y kind of meta solving of the world with you're picking up like instruction manual pieces and it's like Fez. So that's, that seems to be checking a lot of boxes for me personally. <laughs> yeah. I will love it when I play it. Like it's, it's a foregone conclusion, but I just don't see it winning this category. Sure. Um, EJ remind me really quick again, what you chose for best family. Was that a Lego or was that Kirby along with us or, um, Platoon? let me pull it up. Cause I'm voting on my actual game awards thing as we go. I think it was Kirby. Yeah. Kirby. Corbo. Okay. Corbo. Okay, okay, okay. Next up, we have best action game for the best game in the action genre focused primarily on combat. This is when we're actually starting to get a little bit weird. This is kind of a weird category. Ugh. We've got Bayonetta 3, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, Neon White, Sifu, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Whew. Glad Chris is going first on this. Yeah, Chris, why don't you break the ice for us with this one? Yeah. It's a very eclectic, weird, motley crew of uh, video games. It is. And I I have seen or read about uh, all of these. Um, Call of Duty can go fuck itself. I think that war games have been boring for a decade, and I... I don't even call them shooters anymore because I think that's disrespectful to games like Destiny and Destiny 2 that are good uh but war games i'm over it it's 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 tired it hasn't been good in forever they're michael bay movies really they're michael (laughs) bay jesus christ that is the best that's it that's everything a whole bunch of people are gonna watch it no one's gonna remember it and in a year they're just gonna see the next one and then they're gonna forget about that and they're never gonna talk about that that nick chef's kiss fantastic um (laughs) the only one of these games i actually played is shredder's revenge which i adored I love Shredder's Revenge. Um, that's some of the most fun that I've had on my Switch with like five people in forever. Um, it had great online support, drop in, drop out, progress on your own system. 
Uh, so that if you want to keep going after what the group has done, you could just pick up right where you cumulatively left off. You're leveling all saves. That was great. I just have a feeling that I don't want to say it's too small, but I just have a I have a hard time seeing this category going to like an arcade beat em up. It's tough because I feel like a lot of this category is kind of niche. These are very niche games. Like, I mean, Bayonetta is going to sell really well, but I don't think there's like a lot of people in the gaming press that are, you know, spending their time on Bayonetta. Same with Call of Duty. I mean, they're all kind of niche games in this sort of strange collective. Like, it's funny talking about Call of Duty as being niche, but like in the in the grand scheme of who is actually voting in this category, I think it is a little bit niche. Uh, yeah, I'm with it. And uh, in that regard, uh. I think this is where we see neon white get some love. Uh, I think that's probably, I think that's probably going to be my pick. I think that that game was a bit of a darling and um, I don't know in something that's this eclectic. I think having a 5% boost of, wow, what the hell was that? I've never seen anything quite like that goes a long way. So that's my uh, highly uneducated guess. Yeah. I think this one, you can't really do an educated guess. I think it's just sort of like following your heart. Um, well, let me get you down for, Neon white. Oh God. Sifu, the kind of Kung Fu movie made into a video game, beat him up. I think it's going to go to Shredder's Revenge. I'm going to follow my heart on that one. I think there's enough old people that are voting in this kind of thing that uh, seeing a, a true pixel art, you know, TMNT game come back from the dead. Really good vibes. Just looked really great. It was just such a, such a win. I think it's going to get recognized for that. It is really tough. You know, Sifu was 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 very positively reviewed, uh, deeper than people expected, challenging. And you want to talk about action? It doesn't get more uh, uh, action packed than a fucking kung fu movie. You know, Call of Duty reviewed worse than the last two Call of Duty games, but in the COD community, it is uh, uh, the reaction's been much more positive. Bayonetta three is like the purest action game if we're really looking at you know historically like this category like bayonetta 3 is the action game in you know in this list nick's right like the old heads like voting for a game especially uh, a game that like reviewed as well as as turtles did and it, it was a great experience. and arguably the most approachable i think this is the easiest game to pick up and to enjoy with some friends for a little bit and not have sure. to have that sort of looming thread of like oh this is a hardcore action game i think the ones you just mentioned bayonetta Dion white and seafood those are all like hardcore action games and i think that can turn people off it's kind of a hard thing to get into yeah bayonetta also was like very highly anticipated it's nintendo published um it has had a very large presence at the game awards like that was announced at the game awards announcements and 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 just the bits the ongoing like the jokes about it positively and just sort of the the development saga. Like, yeah, it's had a presence. And Do you think that gives it the edge? I'm going to go Bayonetta on this, but I don't feel great. I'll be shocked if it's anything besides Bayonetta or Turtles. Like, if it's Call of Duty, dude, like, it's yeah. <laughs> fucking crazy. Turn the TV off if it's Call of Duty. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. really, it's anything but Call of Duty. Yeah. Thankfully, right? I'm at a Blazer game that night, so I don't have to watch this live and just get angry as Nick sweeps me again. So, <laughs> hey, at least this is the first time where we all didn't vote for the same fucking one. I know, finally. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So that's the first time where anyone's, anyone's going to break ahead. Or, you know what? It's, watch it be Call of Duty and we all just get nothing. When does this Great. air? I don't even know when this airs. December, 8th? what, 8th, I think? Thursday? Yeah. 
Thursday? Oh, maybe I'll turn it on. I don't Thursday know. makes sense. I always quite like watching the Game Awards. It's a fun time. Nick, you and I watched a few of them together. Um, yeah. World premiere. A little commercial fest. Yeah, you get some announcements. And the last few years have been pretty good. They've had like really cool. There was kind of a dud in there. I can't remember what year it was. It was like pretty gnarly. But COVID hasn't been good to them. The musical medley is always 10 out of 10. I love that every single year. It's It's been a little bit soft for us being Nintendo fans since Reggie retired because Reggie and Jeff were tight. So they got a lot of... Uh, co-marketing stuff because of that right mother three this year yeah <laughs> i'll watch it for the trailers i forgot all those world premiere trailers um world premiere <laughs> yeah i'll probably yeah, watch dude. for that i'll keep it on like a second screen and and like turn the blazers right. game on see if I can you'll have the blazer too. game on next to it yeah yeah look for me i'll have a shirt that says i heart chris you better be wearing that dame romance through either. the tv <laughs> um I had innovation in uh, accessibility in our uh, categories. I don't think any of us played any of these games, so I'm not sure. I guess EJ played a little bit of God of War, but I played the quarry God of War and last of us. Oh really? You played the quarry. I didn't realize yes. that you played. I also didn't realize that you got the remaster for last of us. That's strange because the remaster is the one that has the accessibility features. So. It's got all the same accessibility features as last of us part two, which were pretty cool. So we could talk about it. We don't have to dive into it, but we don't have to dive into it. But I think it is cool that he does do a award for accessibility features in games because it is not a standard and it is not a requirement. So it's purely just above and beyond kind of stuff. This isn't selling more copies of a game. No one's buying a game just because it has these accessibility features unless that personally affects you. And I think that is a small enough niche that it does not really. It's not like a marketing beat, you know, so this is mostly just cool. Recognizing software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. And that is As Dusk Falls, God of War Ragnarok, Return to Monkey Island, The Last of Us Part 1, and The Quarry. EJ, you said you played a few of these, so tell me about uh, your experiences with The Quarry because we haven't talked about this yet. This is the first time this has popped up on the categories that we've seen so far. Listen, none of us here are are necessarily uh, equipped to speak about, like, like the real intention of accessibility options. Like for, for us, it's because we want to like skip over annoying things, but for some people it's like integral to them being able to, you know, physically play the game certainly. At, in, in certain cases. So like, we're not exactly equipped to talk about it. And, and to that point, like the first thing I do in a video game now is I go through the accessibility options and in a game like God of War and a game like last of us, it is pretty deep. And there's a lot of customization as far as like puzzle timing uh, in God of War where you're trying to do things on a timer and it requires a lot of dexterity in a really short window. You can you can adjust that to you know, different levels. For me, like in The Last of Us, I was like, I'm going to turn on my fucking compass because I want to be able to press a button and see where I need to go next instead of romping around waiting to get jump scared. And so that's just me being a weenie. But there are a lot of options. God of War has like five pages. Uh, you can like fine tune everything from like auto pickup. So you're not literally spamming circle nonstop because there's always something to pick up on the ground. It's just automatic now. And that's great. We don't have to vote on this because we're not exactly, uh, you know, educated on this sort of thing. But like more options are never a bad thing. Uh, I will say it's irritating that God of War did not give you an option to fully remove yourself from QTEs the way that like Spider-Man did. Because the first thing I turn off in a game like Spider-Man is like, I don't like, just let me watch the fucking action. 
I don't need to like pretend to participate. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm like, I just want to set the controller down and be like, all right, now kick Kingpin's ass. And there is some truly hilarious quick time moments in God of War Ragnarok, including one at the very end of the game that I just fucking discovered two hours ago where you're Atreus with a bow and it literally just says mash R2. <laughs> I'm just like, just show me the fucking cutscene, man. I don't want to mash R2 for Christ's sake. But they're like, check out the haptics. <laughs> so anyway, it's cool that that the options are out there and that it's becoming a standard and not a niche thing. Like, like developers are whether they were forced to or they're being cognizant of it or it's a social movement, but every developer on on all these major games, they are thinking about it. And it's not just like three simple switches. It's like an you know, a, a really complex system of customization. So And for for what it's worth, just to give, you know, more of a sense of kind of the thing we're talking about. Like last year, I believe Forza won in kind of a surprise upset over The Last of Us Part 2, maybe it was two years ago, uh, because they had uh, ASL interpreted every single piece of dialogue in the game, and that was an option. It's so could, crazy. It's insane, and it's like no one is... Above and beyond. <laughs> yeah, like they're not... I mean, the, the number of people this will impact is small enough that from a business standpoint, they could go, oh, we don't need to do that, but they said we're going to do it anyway because we can. And we think that the the fans who are hard of hearing or hearing disabled, like deserve to be able to experience the dialogue in this game and descriptions of things that are happening. So they're really, it is really an above and beyond kind of thing that as EJ said, I'm glad is becoming more standardized to see in like major AAA games going the extra mile to try to reach those folks. And it's not difficult in the sense that like putting a team together, a, a small team to map that out, uh, and then just like pass that over to to the team to implement it. it. It's not difficult. Games are very expensive. You you can outsource. You know, a third party company will will do like what you just described, Chris. Like for really cheap, relative to the scope of a video game that takes four, five, six, seven, eight years to develop. Like that right there, I didn't even know that. But hearing that, it's like that should just be what everybody does. That it's not. It's not like oh god, it's gonna add another year to development time. That is very accomplishable. So it's good that that that's becoming more of a standard. And even again, you know, we're all fortunate to not need any sort of, you know, accommodation, especially physically when it comes to like, uh, here's a, you know, Xbox Elite controller, but even like, like minor things like back paddles and the, you know, replaceable, you know, sticks, if you need something taller or something shorter, and that's supposed to be for like peak performance, but like there are options for people who you know, might not have the same dexterity or, you know, whose joints don't work well. And Xbox is doing a lot of cool stuff. They had a, they did like a special controller a couple years ago. They call it the adaptive controller, which is, it works with any console as well. It's just a USB plug it into your PC. It just maps out to a, that DX input or whatever. So the more, the more of that, the better. I totally agree. My best friend in grade school had a stroke in fifth grade and he was paralyzed on his left side. And, he we like all we did was play video games together and and after his stroke he had to learn how to do everything with one hand and you know in 1999 or i guess this would have been the what 2001 or whatever like come we don't know there's no accessibility options on an n64 game there's no special controller like you did three hands for that thing anyway well no shit but like this kid jacob literally like had to teach himself how to do the uh, as I affectionately refer to the Mr. Shock 
with his uh, right hand where he's basically doing the hang loose so he could hit buttons with his pinky and the left stick with his thumb. And he, he fucking made it work. But it's like, you know, the fact that these options are out there uh, is, is sick. So my only thing is I kind of wish, at least for this category in particular, was just to have like a little breakdown, like what each game did that made it sort of like rise up above and beyond just for me as like an outsider looking at it and seeing like, why are these games being recommended because of this uh, category? That would be cool just for me personally. But I also know that if you got super granular with it, imagine the pages and pages and pages of text that you could get from God of War from Last of Us just because they have the the Sony money, the purse strings that just are unlimited and just can add whatever the heck they want. Highly customizable, color coding everything, making things more visible, less visible, more annoying, less annoying, all that kind of stuff. I know there's some things where they had like sort of smart uh, hint systems and like not telling you what that solution is, but sort of like guiding you in the right way. And it's like a gradient where it gets, it gets more and more direct. The more times you ask for hints, like quicker travel between locations. So it's more accessible than like an older game in the series would have been. But I don't know. I don't know how that translates. If they have like highlighting or like larger um, subtitles, that kind of thing. I'm not right. sure what all uh, made it, stand out in the people's minds who did submit these games for sure. this category. Cause you would think that, you know, Sony first party horizon had a ton of accessibility options as well. So it's kind of strange to see two other major Sony first parties, but not that one. Yeah. So, I don't know. And, and I beat the quarry, but did not had that theater had a theater mode where it would make choices for you. You could say, Oh, I want to see the most, most deaths or I want to see the most uh, morally. You could like choose right. the morality of each character and then it would play it for you. And it would be like, just like a, really long movie so maybe it's sort of like that part of me just wishes i could have just watched god of war ragnarok like that like just cut down all the combat sequences to like the bare minimum give me the dialogue from mimir's head and you just get me through all the cutscenes in an interesting way well, you just watch a, a a long play on youtube in a couple of weeks someone will have that chopped up for you oh it was already there because i accidentally watched the ragnarok one started watching the ragnarok one looking for the 2018 one before ragnarok came out and I was like, I don't remember Kratos sitting here at the beginning of that game. I thought they were in the woods with the boat. And then I was like, this isn't the right game. Uh-oh. That's funny. So anyway. Anyway, yeah. Shall I move us along to the other indie category, I guess? Because I don't know why there's a debut indie and a regular indie when they're all the same. <laughs> Can we just talk about this? Can we just agree that Devolver Digital Games aren't, aren't indie? Like that's a publisher that's publishing your game and paying you money to make your game. That's just a third party game. EA made games are not indie games. It takes two wasn't an indie game. That was a team that made like millions of dollars to make that game before it came out. What does indie even mean? Does it just mean made by less than a hundred people? Because then, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> a studio not owned by a major publisher. What's a major publisher? Devolver is a major publisher. Annapurna is a major publisher. How do you define triple, double, single A? Like that doesn't even, those delineations don't even exist anymore. I'd say budgets. Nick's point is salient. Like, it, I don't know. It's like the Tegan and Sarah question for me that I was like, can you really be an indie band if you're playing the Rose Garden? You know what I mean? Well, I'm like, I don't uh, like, is this just like, a, is, it a, is it an aesthetic thing? Is it a budget thing? Is it how many humans you had making it? As indie a genre? <laughs> yes. And that's just it. Once you surpass a certain polygon count, then it's not indie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think so. And that was my answer to the Tegan and Sarah question is like indie is a genre. It's a feeling as much as it is anything else. Because, yeah, I agree. Like, 
Devolver? That's not a fucking indie studio. When it comes to music, it's like, are we being funded by a label? We're not being told what to do by some giant corporation who's taking all of our money. Like, I think that delineation of music is a lot clearer. But Nick, you do make a good point where it's like, oh, they're a massive studio. Are they not owned by a big publisher? But they're being funded by a big publisher. So it's almost like kind of the same thing because you know that that publisher has as much say over what their $10 million goes towards or whatever uh, as they do if they just outright own the studio. Like, yeah, just think of the marketing budget that got put behind Stray. You got the power of PlayStation. They're you're giving it away. So many people played that game. They probably didn't like, pay for it. They paid for it through their subscription, but that game made a ton of money. And I'm sure it was made by a small team. Is that the, the the delineation? Because there's been like Ubisoft games that were made by small teams. I think the Rayman games were probably made by like 30, 40 people. Like, I don't know. Like, indie is just, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a, a phrase that historically maybe meant something, but now is completely devoid of meaning. And I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up because that, that's been co- sort of sticking in my craw when I'm thinking about Annapurna games being indie. It's like, no, they're fucking not. You had a game with James McAvoy and Daisy Ridley in it last year. That's not an indie game. To me, the scope of the game doesn't matter if it's truly independently created. But like, again, if they're being funded by Sony, that's sort of a dumb technicality. On the other hand, though, like with, I don't know, like with Cuphead, like being shown at the Microsoft E3 presser, clearly being backed and supported by Microsoft, but it's indisputably an indie game. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. At least not with a straight face. Minecraft, an indie game. It was an indie game when it came out, but is it now? Right. Who fucking knows? And then you look at this, you got Devolver on one of these, Annapurna on two of these. And it's like, can you even really say, like, are those independent titles? And then also when it comes to this vote, do I care? Uh, because they are in this category and are people really going to go, is that an indie game? No. Yeah. That wasn't the point of me bringing that up. Me bringing that up was just sort of the me looking at these games and thinking these some of these are. I mean, they all are indie games. You look at them and you're like, that's an indie game. It smacks true of an indie game. It sort of, it sticks in your mind as an independent sort of vibe. But it's just strange to me that it, it, it started from this one context, but has now become a genre, even though it's completely devoid of the gameplay conceits and the, the visual style and all that. It's just that things feel indie. I don't like that idea that indie's a feeling, indie's a genre. Calling a game indie implies that it has a certain aesthetic or a certain set of mechanics but technically these are independent studios and they are responsible for themselves technically speaking you know if a company has a deal to publish sifu and they don't like how sifu is shaping up and they say we're not releasing this game that studio is unless there are extenuating circumstances that's their game and they can find a new publisher for it i feel like nine times out of ten that is probably not the case i think when uh developers pitch games to publishers a lot of this, the paperwork they're signing has to do with the rights for that game. And maybe if they drop the rights, sometimes they can, you know, shop it around to someone else. That is a pretty rare circumstance. There are, th- there are occasions in which that has happened, but I think a lot of the time, especially with a smaller studio, they cannot afford, they do not have the uh, leverage to say, no, we own this game because then the publisher could say, fine, you can go own that game somewhere else because we're not paying for it. Because what is the value for a publisher to publish a small game that's only going to sell, you know, however many copies? The idea of an indie studio is the same as an indie artist or an indie movie studio or whatever. You know, no, there's no indie movie studio in the world that didn't have to find funding of some kind to make their movie. You know what I mean? Even though they're independent and aren't owned by a traditional studio. It's like, yeah, that's completely the 
the movie industry is so much more homogenized than the video game industry and people talking about how the video game industry is just one big fish eating other smaller fish. It is still so more widely varied than the, what, four active, like large movie studios that actually put films out in production. Like, so I think I understand where you're coming from with like the funding and how that can be separate from the art houses and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's, I think we're past Devolver being considered a indie publisher. They are, they're not like a triple A publisher by any means. Like Embracer doesn't really publish triple A games. They have a few, but they're mostly like double A. I think double A is just coming back and they're coming back in the guise of indie, like the history, the roots of those indie developers that found success and have found, you know, enough monetary support that they can continue and keep making the games that have made them successful have gotten to the point where they are now comfortable and they can keep making more games. Like, I don't know. The next game from Ed McMillan is not, is not made in the same context as Binding of Isaac or Super Meat Boy. Like that was 15 years ago. Times have changed. And I don't think these indie devs are necessarily indie all the time anymore. A double A studio is just an indie studio who gets funding from a big publisher, but aren't owned by them. Yeah, not yet. It's, it's developers that haven't been bought yet but I have like a lot of potential to be bought. I mean, just think about last, was it last year that Returnal came out? Like that was an indie studio. I mean, they only did pretty much uh, second party releases through Sony and got like a lot of exclusive funding through them, but they were an independent, what, like Swedish, I don't know, European studio. I think a lot of studios start out like that and then they, they show that they are reliable, that they have the chops and then they get locked down. Now, I mean, since we're in an era of acquisition, and everyone wants to expand and have more content. But I don't know. I just wanted to bring it up because indie doesn't really mean anything. It's it's a it's I know you hate this, EJ, but it really is just like a feeling at this point. There's no definition. If you still retain the copyrights to what you're making, a lot of these deals, as far as funding it, they are taking a cut of the profits, but like they don't own the game or the copyright to it. Like it's it, you know, it belongs to the studio. It doesn't say owned by made outside the traditional publisher system. There are many games that are made under like Ubisoft and EA that isn't owned by the publisher. Like It Takes Two was, was that an indie game? It didn't really seem like an indie game. It was made by a big studio published by EA just because they're not owned by EA. Yeah. And what is, what, what does it really matter if they're owned under the explicit umbrella of the company, if they're receiving money from them and have an agreement that, Hey, you're going to go through our QA and we're going to have our fingers on this game one way or another before it comes out. Cause like you, you can't tell me like Nick was saying earlier, you can't tell me that they're not looking at that and going, yes, this is meeting our standards or no, this isn't meeting our standards. Of course they are. Cause they're giving a fuckload of money to, to the title. I, I believe in my heart of hearts, EJ, it ought to be that way. But I just don't think it is that way. I don't think it has been for quite some time that there's just everybody, the, the big studios are, are spreading the money around one way or another and spreading the influence around one way or another. It's not a new phenomenon either. This is something that's been happening since like the 80s and 90s. You've had companies or just like small groups of people that are like, hey, let's work with Atari. Let's work with Mattel. Let's work with Square and make a game for them that they publish and that comes from them but is made by us like i don't know if those would be considered indie games like they got wide releases they got the marketing budgets of those larger publishers if you have a publisher you're not fucking indie (laughs) i still i hate the idea of like indie is a genre like nintendo makes games that feel like an indie game they get those weird small like spinoff kirby games or yeah, so I don't like that idea. There has to be a line drawn in the sand somewhere. And the idea that a company, regardless of how it's funded, like retains the rights to what they create, that to me feels good. 
And that could be big and that could be really, really small. Like you said, is Minecraft indie? Like the guy who made Minecraft doesn't fucking own a lick of Minecraft anymore. <laughs> like it's not an indie game, right? It's fucking the biggest game of all time owned by the biggest company of all time. So like, anyway, I it, it doesn't matter as far as like us voting on this, but it's a very interesting thing to talk about and it makes me want to read a lot about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I made you <laughs> want to read. <laughs> no, I'm really, I'm really glad you brought it up because I was looking at some of these and uh, uh, feeling the itch for like stupid semantic debates for lack of a better term, just like the one that we just had. And I loved that. Uh, cause I've been itching <laughs> for it. Uh, also <laughs> give me the cat game, Nick. Sorry. Best indie game for outstanding creative and technical achievement and a game made outside the traditional publisher system. Whatever that means. We've yeah. got cult of the lamb, neon white Sifu, stray and tunic. And our boy Chris is taking stray. Um, you also had Stray for Best Debut Indie, which was also strange because Neon White, I believe, was in that category as well, even though the head of that studio has made other games in the past. And this is just a, a studio that he started. So it's not really a debut, but I mean, whatever, I guess. Yeah. New dude who it is. Yeah. I, I hate to be a goddamn broken clock doing the same time over and over, but it's it is it's got to be Stray, right? Like it's it's the only one that's goatee. Cat game, all those cat perverts out there voting for their favorite cat. I mean, look at that ugly cat. That cat is the worst looking cat I've seen all year. I hate looking at its dumb face. That's a Leave bad that cat, cat alone. A... Shut up. Come on. It's a no. cute boy. It's a good it's boy. A the power boy. of computers. You can make any cat and you make this piece of shit. No, there's, a, there's an adorable cat. No, no. The best thing is when it came to PC, people modding in Garfield. Oh my God. <laughs> all right, EJ, what's the game of the game of the indie year? Indie game of the year. Best indie and best debut indie are going to be two different games. And whether one is Tunic and one is Stray or one is Stray and one is Tunic, I couldn't tell you which, but I'm going Tunic on best indie just because these categories are so similar. Voters are not going to vote for the same thing twice on this. We've seen it before and we'll see it again. No, which is which. I hope it's the case. I really don't want to see a Stray uh, sweep. By your own logic, EJ, have you not said this whole show Voters are not going to spread the wealth. They're not going to follow the doctor to spread the wealth. How on earth could it not be the same game in both categories? I'm saying we've seen it before. Different categories, like best RPG, best game, best action event, best sound design. Those are all distinct categories. I don't necessarily agree, but these are basically both just best indie game with the same fucking contenders. So how's it not going to be the same game in both categories? What? We've like seen it before. Go look at previous years. It's the, sa- it's the same category. It's basically the same category. It's not the I, I agree. But we're going to see two different games. I agree. What? <laughs> I don't get it. I'm just saying, go look at previous winners. I'm just I'm just following the pattern. No, following the pattern. <laughs> we got to put money on this. Read the tea leaves. That's three of the same games in both categories. You want to you put 20 down on best indie and best debut indie will not share the same winner? Is that the bet? No, that's, a, that's, a, that's like a $5 parlay no i'm talking about like 20 bucks most points for game of the year categories that we voted on or for for game awards categories that we oh, voted on. in totality here yeah i'm talking a pool uh yeah i'll put a 20 down on that i got no shame on i got a hundred dollar bottle of whiskey here waiting for you if you beat me in a fantasy credit draft let's fucking go let's fucking go <laughs> what do i get for winning just a stupid cup with my initials on it jesus 
This is what happens when you're not mentally ill to the point that you want to crush your friends at every single thing you do. So you're the real winner here. Yeah, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Hurts to be this good, dude. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on before we say something we regret. Okay, moving along to best performance awarded to an individual for voice, overacting, motion, and or performance capture. And the uh, nominees are Ashley Birch for her role in Horizon Forbidden West, Charlotte McBurney for her role in A Plague Tale Requiem, Christopher Judge for his role in God of War Ragnarok, Manon Gage for her role in Immortality, and Sonny Soljic for his role in God of War Ragnarok. There's only two nominees here. Well, Ashley Birch uh, muttering to herself in a raspy voice. <laughs> so is it is it God of War or is it Son of Boy? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, EJ, you're the most informed on this. It is, hands down, Chris Judge for me. For sure, yes, 100%. Me too. Easy peasy. Sonny is good in the game, but holy shit, the nuance that Christopher Judge can pull out of such a quote-unquote one-note character. I mean, he takes it to a whole other level in this game. I mean, in a lot of ways, it is just more Kratos, but there are moments... The only moments in this game that got me emotional were Kratos. Three different times, Kratos said something so poignant and in such, I mean, just the controlled, the subdued power that, I mean, it's like, we know Kratos is a big, scary man. You take everything he learned in the first game about sort of being open and being open to being wrong and opening those emotions up a little bit more. He takes all that anger from the first game and brings it to this game in a very subtle way. He doesn't do a lot of yelling in this game. I mean, enough of it. But he is a not a much different character, but a much different performance uh, taken a bird's eye view. And he's the fucking man, and he should win this fucking category. And that's my vote. And not to mention, just to interject really quick, it was basically between him and the guy who was in Red Dead Redemption back in 2018. And it went to Red Dead Redemption guy. Which, which I'm sure it was a great performance because honestly, everything, every single thing I saw from that game that has to do with performance was like on the echelon of a Sony first party. Like Rockstar money leads to good writing, good performances. But yeah, Chris Judge over these last two games is Kratos, and it's it is really amazing what they do with their performance capture and their um, animations with that that opening scene that we uh, experienced together, EJ with them in the cabin was just, it was just really good. It was like HBO quality, you know, it was just really fantastic. And there was a lot more of that in this game. And I hope that if you aren't going to play it soon, Nick, you should just take a couple of nights to parse out the fucking nine hour video or whatever. Yeah. I'll watch like a hypercut with all the cutscenes and everything. Maybe some combat moments and all that. I think. Oh, I'm so excited. I literally Blazers games getting done tonight. I'm, I will be installing God of war while it's, while the game's on and I'm going to start it tonight. I don't give a shit. Yes. I, Need you to beat it soon, Chris, because I really want to just deep dive on this game. I was not as impressed with it as I was the first one, but there is still a lot to love about it. And I just want to dive on. Oh, I can't wait. Both this game, but also the first game, you know? And then also, Chris, I want you to play Immortality because I haven't played it. I don't plan on playing it. It does not seem like a Nick game, but a Chris game, it does seem to be. And just the whole conceit of it being like, based on this like hidden not hidden camera but like lost footage 
found footage of these actors and this actress in these different roles that she was in is very like film school art, you know, a- actor school kind of nerd shit. Yeah, that that you definitely need to play. I think there's like a 20% chance that you find it maybe a little bit too hokey and a little bit too um, masturbatory and it's like obsession with uh, film and actors and all that. But I think <laughs> I think that is the kind of st- that's the kind of stuff that I think you'll get a lot out of personally thank you for the reminder um because i know you've you've recommended that once once prior uh and i will for sure do that yeah i think chris judge for sure is getting his will smith moment where it's like we should have given this guy one by now so let's give it to him for this one who's he gonna hit <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna hit sunny uh Suljic. boy whoops. oh no domestic violence you hate to see it guys all right <laughs> oh god there let's are... get off this quick <laughs> there's only like one boy in that entire game oh really that was such a you know that that shows character growth that's exactly you know, it, though. that's him saying yep. that's him referring to his son by his name showing him the respect that he is man. deserved and man. man that's exactly it yeah man man, man. <laughs> young adult <laughs> yeah. adolescent teen all right <laughs> best audio design recognizing the best in-game audio and sound design with our nominees being call of duty modern warfare 2 Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Gran Turismo 7, and Horizon Forbidden West. Oh, this is easy money. Elden Ring, up, down, left, right, any way you want it. I just think, like, in my admittedly limited uh, experience with looking at videos of this game, I mean, the, 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 the whole comprehensive design of this world, I mean, who else but From Software could... Uh, could create something that's so complete, so cohesive, so odd, but somehow compelling. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I haven't played this game all the way through. I'm waiting until I have a PS5 to play this game. Um, but it's it's gotta be, right? Like it's gotta be. It's gotta be Elden Ring. You say it's gotta be. I don't know. Big no. Yeah, I mean Nick knows it. I know it because I think from software games, in my experience of like the four that I've played. They really do have impeccable art direction and sound design like all the way through. They're just wonderfully made games. I don't know if it's the standout thing for Elden Ring. I think it's world and traversal and the way you interact with it and the discovery that you find is really compelling. It's also um, up for score, which is a different thing. So separating it out from that, I think it's got a great score. I don't think it's their best score. I don't know. I mean, it really could go Elden Ring. It could just be Elden Ring sweep. I think God of War, obviously, it's so it's so goddamn AAA. There's so much money poured into this game. But I don't know if sound design, like audio design, is really the thing that stands out for it. I mean, there, there's one answer there's, here. An, there's, there's car perverts out there that just love cars and the, the engine noises. Just because of that, I mean, there's a, there's a chance, but also that game came out eight months ago and no one's thought of it since. So I don't know. I think it's tough because it could easily just be like, oh, we voted for this game in game of the year. So let's just give it to them here. Also, EJ spill the tea. It's it's Gran Turismo. The car games always win this category. This game reviewed like in the nines. Like it's Gran Turismo. It's got to win again. It would be shocking if the car game didn't win this category again. For what? The sound of the fucking engine they recorded? Like, come on. The diversity of the sound samples in this game, the spatial sound design, 
I mean, it, yeah, it totally makes sense why a car game, especially ones that are as deep as modern car games in Forza and Gran Turismo, all games that review, like, absurdly high. Forza was like a 97 or something, wasn't it, a couple years ago? Like, just ridiculous. I think you have a valid point in that I think that the people who are the most passionate will be the ones arguing for something like Gran Turismo, and I don't think there's enough people that are like, no, Elden Ring definitely has better audio design than your stupid car game. Like, no one's actually going to make that argument. So I think that does have validity for it. I think it's going to go to God of War because of just how, like, polished to, like, marble smooth that entire game is. Like, Sony Santa Monica is just, like, cream of the crop in that kind of aspect. So I think they're going to get audio design. I didn't even consider Ragnarok because I have a lot of frustrations with the uh, sound design and the the audio mix in a lot of instances. And I even went in trying to tweak settings to try and fix some of the issues I had with it. And and there really wasn't a way to separate the things that I wanted to separate and, and mix separately. And so that really comes down to just a sound design thing. So because of that, I like didn't even consider that in this category. It's got, it's got like, it's got the sound design that every other like good AAA game has, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't stand out against any of these games. It's going to be the car game. And it, for some reason, it's not, even though, like, I don't know, two of the last four years have been car games when they come out. Did Horizon get it last year? And then it was Call of Duty the year before that then? It was 2020? That was part of their marketing that they were, like, talking to journos about how awesome their guns sound in, like, a, you know, a house or outside or whatever. It, it might win just because, like, that's a really large part to, like, especially, like you said, it's a fucking Michael Bay movie. It is. And that's, like, honestly, the only good thing about a Call of Duty game anymore is that the campaigns are visceral and huge and i'm sure that's why it got nominated this year but it's not going to win because it already won a couple years ago and i think it's more of like a franchise award at this point good it, sh- it shouldn't win it's going to be gran turismo that's I-, I am gobsmacked at this like gobs i, I mean, love that word i just like for lack of a better phrase here who fucking cares like gran turismo like oh you recorded all these different cars really specifically so let's give that to you like who fucking cares like what there's a lot of car pervs out there i mean (laughs) you sports guys you should know you should know that you know people love their niche thing and they want it to be just right i feel like i feel like i'm insane like uh, you're probably right because i'm stupid and i don't know video games but like this is uh, man it got nominated for a reason. I mean, it, there's no like fluke for that, right? So creating audio for a game that is, I mean, Forza is still takes the cake over Gran Turismo, but but a style of game that is arguably the most realistic simulator. Car guys are so specific about like it has to. If, if anything is off, they'll fucking hear about it. These are extremely accurate and detailed fucking sims that also play phenomenally. Even non car people, I played Forza. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and the audio design for a game like that is integral to the gameplay. Like, that's how you know when to shift and like when to like ease up and like apply some brakes while you're turning. Like, that is part of the gameplay. So it makes a lot of sense. It's not just playing back a loop of an engine playing. The 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 audio design and the game design are so intricately linked, and it's also huge. Like the amount of cars you can play in a Forza game. It's not just like we had 14 cars we had to like go capture some engine sounds for on a Saturday. It is not only like, oh, the cars, but also it has to change every time you swap out a part in your car. It sounds different when it's wet out, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That's that's wild. That is 
wild man anyway so ej i think you are right that that has a very good chance of getting it i i just i don't know it's easy to doubt gran turismo when it seems like forza had so much more juice going into it last year because it was the more um wide release like it was it was a less of a you know sim and more of an arcade kind of experience you're just bombing around mexico and just having a great old time do dabbing in front of a waterfall or whatever you can do in that game it's not like the opposite of voter fatigue i guess is that it's like those oscar bait movies that come out at like the very like beginning of an oscar cycle oh like like everything everywhere all at once that if there's any fucking justice should have like five or six oscars but probably won't which reminds me chris you still need to watch rrr i do and i'm going to i promise i'm going to i'm excited i'm excited you can probably watch that microdosing and have a good time <laughs> oh hell yeah i'll make some tea it's bombastic <laughs> lovely okay let's move along we've got a few more categories left i'm sorry everyone listening at home who are sick of us <laughs> rambling that's why they're here yeah, that's why they're here. You know, you're right. It's the content. It's what the people love. Best score and music for outstanding music, inclusive of score, original song, and or licensed soundtrack. We've got A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War, Metal Hellsinger, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. What sticks out? It feels like a two-horse race. I do love me some JRPG music, but uh, at the end of the day, they do get kind of samey. Not that I played Xenoblade ah, Chronicles but the 3. Uh, I, I, I feel like it's a two horse race. Trigger. And I know that <laughs> yeah, I <right>. just, <laughs> I know that I just was like God of, or uh, just was like Elden Ring for audio design. God, I haven't played either of these games. I don't know why I'm making it. EJ, you're gonna take my money. My heart says, my heart says God of War, and God, I'm gonna regret this. I know I'm gonna regret this, but I, the score in the first game was. It showed such an impressive amount of restraint to me that it could have been one of those games where it's like, I'm going to tell you how to feel right now. And instead, it was like, I'm going to hit just the right thing at the right time to emphasize what you're already feeling, because we've already brought you into this moment in other ways. And I hope it's moments I, were definitely earned. Right. Exactly. Where I went, oh, God, like that little string note right there just pulled on the right, just the right bit. I don't know. Um, and, you know, Elden Ring being a FromSoft, it's it's, you know, uh, it's more atmospheric. It's more about how do we feel uh, creating a sense of like, I don't know, dread, hopelessness, whatever you want to call it. Um, give me God of War, the emotional appeal over the uh, atmospheric brilliance. I will say that the only moment in this game where the music moved me was the moment where they just reused the music from the moment that he gets his blades in the first game. I was going to say that was a very earned, that was like the earned yeah. musical cued moment. That was like the movie. Like now we're starting the third act. Here we go. Like that's a, that's a earned moment. It's a trite and like totally like obvious moment, but it was totally earned. The soundtrack or the score did not move me. Uh, really at any points that I can think. And I'm sure there are moments because there were a few moments that I, I really got emotional and I'm sure the score was sort of a subtle part of that. I just wasn't thinking about the score. And like you said, it, it's meant to be subtle, Chris. It's not supposed to tell you how to feel. Um, and that's what is so great about it. Like I said, this game has some connective tissue problems. It's almost like they were chasing the big moments and didn't know how to put it all together is the that way the first a game. 
story and gameplay problem that you're attributing to the soundtrack or is that can you separate that out enough no i'm saying i I can't and because i was so often like not upset or frustrated but in there were again there are some really great moments in this game but but there are a lot of moments more moments than otherwise where the thing happened and i said what are we doing here or why did that happen or that felt off or like they were just chasing the moment so i wasn't thinking about the score at that time and so maybe the score, I, I, again, it's a testament to, you know, they weren't trying to tell you how to feel in that moment. Maybe they should have been, especially, you know, with the way this game was crafted. Maybe they, maybe that would have helped some of those moments is if the score was doing uh, a more uh, conventional job. But the only, again, the only time I even thought about the score once in this game was the reprise from the first game. And to me, that is like not, that does not make it a strong contender for, for the best score. Elden Ring, I only watched Brennan play for a few hours, and it was mostly grunts and fucking shrieks from whatever monster he was killing. So I can't really speak to that. There's that sound design. <laughs> yeah. This feels like if, if there's going to be sort of an outlier, it would be here. Playtale has been nominated in like every fucking category. And like not once have we ever been like, yeah, that might take it. You know, this is sort of like the maybe like the uh, uh, Senua's saga or whatever the first game was called. I think it's in that echelon as far as how people like it. I have never heard a single person who's talked about that game talk about its music. We haven't heard anyone talk about Plague Tale at all, and yet it's here it is for, nominated at every category. Heard, I mean, I, I've heard people like you know talk about it and like enjoying it and liking it. I, th- I think it's overrepresented in these awards just based purely on the six or seven video game podcasts I listen to, but that's just you know my corner of the internet that I tend to hang out at. I... Oh man, Xenoblade, a lot of what makes it special from a story perspective is also tied into its music and the way that they incorporate motifs from prior games and how that has payoffs in its storytelling as it being a third game in a series that is not, you know, a traditional linear, these are the characters and what happens to them. And then the next game is those same characters and what happened to them after the first game. It is a sci-fi fantasy story of parallel universes and then those parallel universes and how they were created and their inception point and what caused them to have the problems that they have. And then the third game is a culmination of these parallel universes colliding and the problems that that has caused and the sort of homages are so subtle and earned musically and narratively that it is intrinsic to my enjoyment of it. Separate from that, though, I think the score and just the quality of the music is less bombastic and memorable than the prior two games. Um, just, av- you know, having just played it, I do not have as strong of an affinity with those tracks than I had with the prior games. But that could just be a time thing. I don't know. We'll see how that stands up the test of time in years to come. But. I think just right off the bat, it doesn't have a chance to win against two other games that I think are front runners in game of the year discussions. It's awesome that it got nominated, but I, I can't see it winning, even though I do really love the score and the the choice for the flutes is a really, I wouldn't say brave, but it is a, a stance that they took and then they followed through and it wasn't, it was never annoying that there were these flute medleys that were accompanying like it, it could so easily be annoying flutes are not known for not being obnoxious you know like <laughs> so i mean as far as a 
a musical motif and having an identity, I think that gives it a bit of an edge compared to God of War, which is like very safe, um, bombastic film score kind of vibe with like a Nordic kind of twist. And then similar with Elden Ring. Right. For me to have best score in music, I think of like the fucking Skyrim score. And there are like 12 songs I could hum for you right now or sing for you. You know what I mean? God of War, there's there is not a single piece of fucking written music in that game that I could even recall. And I just beat it today. I think it's title theme, which is just a holdover from the previous God of War. I think, you know, people really like that Bear McCreary kind of uh, theme. And the soundtrack is just sort of extrapolated from that. And just, it, it holds it together. You know, I think God of War's music fits it really well. It's soft when it needs to be soft. It's big when it needs to be big. And it's a very big game. So there's a lot of bigness that you're going to be squeezing out of it. And it's just, I think it is like scored well. I don't know if if that means it needs to stand out. I think video game music has such a long history of being so standout because they had to, you know, cram a 30 second loop with enough character to be enjoyable, but not be repetitive and annoying. And then from that, you get so many things that just like stand the test of time and video games now just don't have that kind of restrictions. So they don't have that kind of creativity sort of forced into them. And as we, we, chase more uh cinematic experiences you kind of ape those sort of cinematic scores and i think a lot of scores are just very forgettable in movies um, most of the marvel movies have a very forgettable score you know that's by design though for sure it's the god of war thing like chris said where it's like you know you think of a marvel movie it's like the score does its job there's a reason why you can name three prolific fucking composers working in hollywood still you know yet there are hundreds of movies that come out every year and and tens of movies that like make hundreds of millions of dollars. You couldn't name a fucking composer for any of them. There's a reason. It's really hard to be the guy who is doing something nobody's heard or doing something so memorable, you know. So so to me in that sense, Ellen Ring got award, neither of those stick out to me. I totally feel your arguments about Xenoblade. Obviously I didn't play it and I haven't watched anything about it. And uh, so I'm I'm really torn between just going off script here or being safe, even though I don't think Elden Ring should probably win best score. I really don't know what I want to be. Have you already voted, Nick? I haven't yet. I'm I'm so torn because yeah, yeah it's tough. I I don't think Xenoblade has the juice with the voting populace, but I I just cannot remove myself from that as well. So it's tough. And I think Elden Ring, it's the first um of the Souls type games that actually has like background music and areas, and it is so expertly done it is as subtle as breath of the wild without being um as empty and i think that for a game that has that um level of tension but higher level of tension because you can die so much easier in a game like elden ring compared to breath of the wild what you're doing in an exploratory aspect is not the same it is like in breath of the wild you're climbing things you're um fighting like bacoblins whatever you might run into a stone talus there's not a lot of threat it's more just wonder and in elden ring it captures a different sort of side of that same coin where it is so hauntingly beautiful everywhere that you go and there's a score that matches it and it's it's so weird coming from a studio that's only really done boss music before and their boss music was also as varied as traditional boss music of having bombast and choruses but also having just a single piano playing a forlorn theme as you're fighting the final boss in Dark Souls 1. Like, that is so poignant and amazing 
and Elden Ring is the only game in this uh like lineup that has such a variance in its music it feels like I don't know I mean just wandering around that world and just hearing the the overall theme I listened to the soundtrack on Halloween this year because I just remembered being in the mines and just it's so ambient but just haunting and just it it took me back to those locations and that stress and that tension <laughs> and like I just wanted to feel that for Halloween because I was just like a cool sort of I love video game music for Halloween. I think video game music is better than any other music for that holiday. But yeah, I mean, I think I think it does go to Elden Ring because oh. I think because from a, a shallow perspective, from just you know someone who has played it and just remembers that title screen theme and just the timpanies and it's just loud. It's so fucking loud. And then you're just on a journey for 150 hours. Man. And I think the music does contribute to that. Uh, you pretty much just convinced me, it feels like. But I don't, I just, again, we all of our answers are the same here. It's, uh, you know. Chris went God of War. I did. I went God of War. Oh. So EJ goes Xenoblade and really just put the knife in my back. <laughs> yeah, come on, baby. No, Nick, I think you're right, though. I think that. I think that your experience, which is beautiful, and I hope is my experience when I get to Xenoblade 3. I don't know if you can have that same experience without playing the first two games, though. I think you can still love the music and, you know, find a strong connection with those themes. But you can't. It is impossible to have the emotional resonance of a theme returning from a previous game without having played that previous game, especially a JRPG where you're spending like 20 hours in a zone and you you know you're in Machna Forest because you've heard that music for 20 hours and you've been grinding out these stupid dinosaurs with your stupid furry friend. And then you hear a variation of it mixed with a different variation because it's these two worlds mashed together and you get this strange hybrid. That That is precisely what I'm saying, is that that is the experience I hope to have when I get to three playing through one and two. Because I have one and I, I started a little bit and then I, I, I put it away and I, I want to get to it, but... I don't think the voting populace is going to have that experience, which is a damn shame. Exactly. Because I think that based on the, like you describing it, I'm like, how could that not be it? If they're calling back to themes from these first two, that's exactly what a good third game in the series should do. It's not ham fisted either. It's so earned. It's, it's subtle. It's yeah. It's everything you'd want from like that payoff, you know, that third game payoff. It's so rare too. Oh, I'm excited. I got to get into another a game phase. It's been all TV for me lately. I played like three levels of Luigi's Mansion 2, and it's just been Vince Gilligan land for like a month in our house. <laughs> so, EJ, what is it? What are you picking? Let's move on. Get off the fence, buddy. Let's go. In the interest of doing something different, because it's either going to be Elden Ring or God of War Ragnarok, I'm going to vote for Metal Hellsinger because it is far and away the <laughs> sickest fucking soundtrack on this list. It's super tight. All that to say, it's not going to win, but I'm just going to vote. It's got Serge Tankian on it, dude. dude. Wait, what? It's a fucking ripper of a soundtrack. Okay, I got to set it yeah, to you, Chris. They, they, like, they contracted a bunch of metal vocalists from very well-known bands, and they had them like create songs for the game. It's a rhythm shooter where you shoot to the rhythm, like you're pumping your shotgun to the downbeat and like, Trying to pop off shots on your one and one and threes and stuff. It's, oh it won't my. win, but it's fucking badass. Oh so, my god! It's like I, I could just vote for Elden Ring and be safe, so that I don't lose a point to Nick. But it's, I just don't give a shit. Chris voted differently on this one, so I'm safe. Just saying, fuck it. Did I? That's the way you got to go, dude. Did I tell you guys I'm going to Sick New World in May? No, you have not. What is that? It is a metal festival in Las Vegas. I'm going with the Bros. 
uh, ostensibly for Josh's nice. birthday, but uh, System of a Down, Incubus, uh, Papa Roach, Hoobastank, Evanescence. All the OGs. I was going to say early aughts, <laughs> like just corn, like, I mean, it disturbed. It's like everybody you can imagine. Um, <laughs> but we're going. It's like, it's like Ozfest from like 2008. I was literally going to say, <laughs> I, is Ozzy playing? I've never seen System of a Down. And this is, I was like, dude, we have to go. And uh, you brought up metal music, so it came up. And, to be uh, fair, most people haven't because they didn't play for like a lot of fucking years. No, I know. I'm not That's taking true. this for granted. Like I've wanted yeah. to see them for my whole life. And I was like, Josh, I swear to God, when they play next, like we're going to go. And they announce the festival. Joey's like, I will get us a package. You guys pay me back. Like, we'll figure it out. And we did. Party. Sounds super tight, dude. All right. We got four more. Let's do it. I think these will be less contentious. Yeah. Next up, we have best art direction for outstanding creative and or technical achievement in artistic design and animation and nominated are Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Scorn and Stray. Can we just like bulldoze through a bunch of these that are obviously going to be Elden Ring? Like it's Elden Ring. I mean, no, 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 I mean, no, I mean, you know, you know. Elden Ring has awesome art design. The enemies in that game are freaky. So good, dude. Oh, my. You you really have the bosses, man. We don't need to be contrarians about <sighs> yeah. this. It's Elden Ring. It's just. EJ, what do you think? It's just frustrating because, like, to me, every FromSoft game pretty much looks the same. And I'm sure if you're a fucking Dark Souls nerd, like, you know, the idea that Bloodborne and, and Dark Souls 3 look the same, like people would lose their fucking minds. I understand they're influenced by very different things, but it's fucking all the same thing to me. And Elden Ring was more of the same when I watched Brennan play it. That's not how the voters are going to look at it. But is it good? To me, Dark Souls 3 was just like a less than polished, like generic scary game to me. Like Nick is obviously very well familiar with fucking FromSoft and there's a lot of cool shit that they do, but... Like, to me, Dark Souls 3 looked like Bayonetta 2. Like, we were talking about, like, boss design and shit. It's obviously a little more, like, um, comical in Bayonetta. But, like, to me, it was, like, I don't know. Like, it's the same, cut from the same cloth. Like, it, which obviously is uh, an interesting opinion to have, I'm sure. <laughs> but you missed a lot of the best uh, boss designs um, in Dark Souls 3. We, we uh, you stopped playing before you got. We stopped after the, the Pontiff, Pontius Pilot. <laughs> you got the Pontiff? If you got that far, yeah. Yeah, I remember doing the catacombs with you. So yeah, Wolnir was uh, really cool. Just the big ass skeleton with his big old golden bracelets and yeah. stuff. And then the I really I I still absolutely love the um the Abyss Watchers. I love that boss fight, both aesthetically from like the uh the the opening cutscene where it's these two guys that are just killing each other. They're like the same person, but they're killing each other, and then one of them comes back to life and they're still killing each other. Yeah. And then you come in and you're fighting two of them, and the third one resurrects, you have to fight three of them. Like that's such a a badass boss, and then the lore behind it is so fucking cool. Yeah, see, for me, I, Elden Ring is gonna win this category, but again, if I'm gonna hope to break away from Nick and beat him, I just have to hope for some flyers here. So when I think of the two most distinct games on this list, Scorn is obviously like the first thing that comes to mind. The fucking Geiger, you know, like it's it's it's, gross. it's insane. It's different. It's wet. There, there are no games that look like this. Um, and I did a lot of research on this game because I was gonna pick it up at one point. Uh, for our league, and I decided against it. I just thought it was too niche, and it was probably going to be a 70, and I was right. But um, it looks just fucking unhinged, and uh, again, there are no games that look like it, so I want to vote for that. Even Horizon does things that you don't see in a lot of other video games, 
Horizon Forbidden West doesn't do anything that the first game didn't, so I would have a hard time voting for it here. But to me, again, Elden Ring looks like the other five games that have come out in this franchise, one of which was like last year. Demon Souls remake came out last year. And I'm sure, again, to a, a seasoned FromSoft uh, fan, it's very ignorant to compare Elden Ring to Demon Souls, but... Especially since people didn't like the way that Bluepoint changed some of the designs from the original. Yeah, nobody ever likes changes. Yeah, I'm going to go <laughs> Scorn here just to be different. Fuck it. It's going to be Elden um, Ring, but... I like that you're sticking to trying to be different sometimes, though. I appreciate that. I don't have that kind of, I, I'm just, I'm going for what I believe, not yeah. trying to be contrarian to Chris, which, you know, could bite me in the ass, let you pull ahead, but you know, we'll see. Sure. Next up, we've got um, EJ's favorite category, or no, it's my favorite category, best narrative uh, for <laughs> outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. I saw your likes on fucking Andy Cortez's tweets about this shit. I know what this conversation is going to turn into. It doesn't have to. I mean, I'm just. I can believe something and not believe that everyone else will follow that same thing too. I mean, just it's, for best narrative, we have for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game, and we have a Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, and Immortality. Well, Elden Ring's too obtuse. I'm ruling that out on face. I don't think that the common, the lay person is going to approach that and go, wow, what a well-crafted narrative. I think all the from nerds are going to like, jizz themselves going holy fuck look at the world building but i don't think the common voter is going to share <laughs> the same enthusiasm um if we're to sure. believe ej that god of war is uh more of a coda than uh a sequel i'm not sure uh what to make of that uh remember uh, it has a 94 and open critic though so clearly there are a lot of people who don't have my same thoughts on on the sequel hey elden ring has a 95 on, on open critic yeah <laughs> What does that say about the narrative? I don't think it's for the narrative. I think it's for all the other stuff. Um, and, yeah, you know, there's enough little a narrative is a treat. Um, nobody remembered Horizon. Who cares? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm i going to go left field here and I'm going to I'm going to give immortality a shot. I, I just think that if we're really not it, it, if we're really not sold on God of War as being like truly a sequel in that it holds its own weight, it tells its own story and it's 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 more a continuation of the last game than it is its own self-contained story that builds on the last game. I don't see I don't see that as as being enough. And I want to believe you, EJ. I want to believe you that it's uh it didn't. It didn't hit you the way that you had hoped. I, I'm sure you were going to like fully disagree with me. The themes of this game, well, the themes of the game are really the same themes of the last game, just like much bigger. And and they do do a good job of like starting the characters in, in the place that they ended in the last game. But like they don't end in meaningfully different places. Like like the problems that arise in God of War are like sort of natural to like they were climbing a ladder in the first game and they didn't get to the top, right? They're somewhere in the middle. They start somewhere in the middle in this game, but it's the same ladder they're climbing, right? It, it, there's nothing really new in the way of like character motivations or the, the problems of those interpersonal relationships. Um, it's still like interesting and compelling, but it's the moments, the big set piece to set piece that is so much less cohesive. God of War is still going to win best narrative unless like some weirdos who liked Plague Tale want to give it you know, some juice, but like it's got a war is going to win. It's got a 94. The only reason to play that game is because of the story. And I'm sure there are people out there who, who thought it was, you know, just like last of us Two. again, like I said to Nick this weekend, last of us two had all the fucking 
right ingredients. They just couldn't quite get them in in the right order. God of War has sort of a similar problem. I do want to quickly, though, but we have two more categories to get to. But, Nick, the tweet I referenced earlier it was Andy Cortez talking about how a game doesn't need to be like a hold-your-hand linear path to like tell an interesting story. And we had sort of gotten into it about, you know, you've said multiple times through the years that like you don't think a video game is capable of telling a good story. A traditional story. A story as as defined by other mediums. Right. And people thought movies couldn't tell as good a story as a fucking uh, stage play. And that turned out to obviously be crazy. So I think the way we tell stories evolves and video games are so new, we're still figuring it out. And for me, the way Elden Ring tells its story, you could never come across a single piece of lore in that game and still beat it and still love it. To me, that that like excludes it from any best narrative discussions, period. God of War is a game that exists only for its narrative, almost to the point that the actual gameplay is more annoying than anything. It is just a movie cut together between just really tedious fucking puzzles that don't need to exist. Whereas the game like Horizon, even though people had problems with this particular narrative and I didn't beat the game, so I can't speak to like the plot beat by beat, but like the way video games tell a story in that there are things to both uncover and things that it tells you, but you have some sort of agency in how the events play out. That to me is how video games should tell compelling stories and do tell compelling stories. And the best, I don't want to say the best stories in games. Cause like God of War is a phenomenal story, not a phenomenal game in my eyes, phenomenal story. But it, as, as games continue to evolve, it's the the horizon format that that will hopefully push like narrative storytelling forward in that it combines all of those methods and does so in a way that everything feels like as a player you're not just hitting circle occasionally to be a part of it but you actually have agency over what's happening so anyway that's my case for why Elden Ring should not be in the discussion despite the lore however amazing the lore might be behind the scenes it's like saying Destiny 2 had amazing lore maybe but I didn't go to that website to find out, you know? And to me, that's what like Elden Ring is like. You got to go to the wiki to really get into the lore of a FromSoft game. I think narrative doesn't have to just be cutscenes. I think narrative can be the the story, the way it, you go to it and the way it goes to you. I think a lot of the ways that um, FromSoft games tell their story is something that really you can only do in, in a video game or in like a book. It's more work. You have to work for it. And you have to do more investigation, but I don't think that precludes it from it being a good narrative. And like you saw in those tweets, I, I think that world building and lore is something that video games do the best um, out of all the mediums. And I think that is a integral part to, of storytelling. And I think it's the part that you can do while you're playing the game. And like you said, God of War gets in its own way. Like you don't want to be playing the game when you're that invested in the story. You'd rather just see the story. And if you aren't invested in the story, then you'd rather just get back to the game. So that is that is combative with you as a um, a viewer of the story in that regard and a participant in the game also. So they're at odds. And that's um, why I think that a lot of traditional storytelling does not work in a video game medium because you want to be interacting with the game. You don't want to be just watching like, I would rather watch God of War Ragnarok as an HBO show than I would play it as a game, probably, at this point. And I probably will end up watching, like, a supercut of it on YouTube. And that's just where I'm at right now. Like, I'm sure if I was in a 
more uh, accepting headspace or was playing in different circumstances, like at my own home, you know, headphones on that kind of thing. I might be able to get more engrossed in it, but just over at your place over the weekend, it was just like, this is fine, but I'm just not feeling this right now, which, you know, that happens. Uh, Elden Ring does have a really fantastic world. And I don't know how, I mean, obviously it was part of the marketing for it to be a George RR Martin joint. And it's impossible to tell how much of that is under like from his influence, but there is a lot of, uh, George R. R. Martin influence in the political factions and the family drama. There's so much goddamn family drama in this game. It's like a person who married a god, but then married a different god because it's it's all this kind of crap. It's very like Roman pantheon mixed with Gaelic sort of mythology and fairy tales, and it's it's really cool. I love it. It's it's got a great vibe, but it's not going to win best narrative because God of War is going to win best narrative because people love the cutscenes. And that's what I'm going to say that it's going to win. The idea that that you can have all of those components and create a phenomenal world. And like world building is different than narrative. I think you can't have a good narrative without world building, though. Oh, I agree. But you can have great world building and fucking trash narrative. I was just going to say, like, obtusity does not a good narrative make. And I think that for the vast majority of people, having to, like, comb way the fuck over a game to uncover crumbs of narrative is just not appealing and i i'm not saying that that people are wrong for wanting that i'm not saying that it doesn't mean that they haven't created a good world but like ej just said world building and narrative uh that's not a one-to-one ratio i think it does um elden ring a disservice by saying that it is uh the typical from soft oh it's it's hard to uh follow the narrative because you have to read item descriptions i think that is a little bit uh, short-sighted and doesn't really delve into the things that it does do really well with its characterization and its voice acting. I think it has the best voice acting out of um, a lot of games that came out this year. I mean, it's hard to compete with God of War because they have the the motion capture and the intense sort of small-scale scenes that they can really just eat up the entire It's a movie. It's got cinematography. Yeah, it's got cinematography. I don't think Elden Ring really has cinematography outside of like boss cut scenes, but its voice acting is still like, top top notch it is amazingly performed sure and the characters are awesome and lovable and memorable and those are all in particular part of the narrative is these characters that you're also on a journey with and how you meet them and interact with them and you're finding small stories that build up to a larger story and your role in this world and like what the the lore and the world building is but it's not just that it's just that it excels in that because it's a video game as video game and I don't know. That was, that was just my point is that it, it has good narrative as well as it's 10 out of 10 world building. Sure. And I think that those things can be true. And then it's, it's also true that like, it probably doesn't have a better narrative than like most of the games on this list, but, and that's not like, it's not to diminish what, what Elden Ring did or does, but like, I think it's especially easy to like draw those things out when you're comparing it to other FromSoft games like, yeah, I'm sure right. it does have the best, all those things. I mean, it's the highest fucking reviewed from soft game, isn't it? Like, it clearly does everything better than its predecessors. We know it's not going to win best narrative because it doesn't have a, a head that's saying, watch out behind your brother, brother every 10 seconds while you're fighting against these more like hordes of just regular people, you know, or your little boy who's making Joss Whedon puns like, oh, wow, wow dad, you love loot. Like we never leave anywhere without getting all the treasure chests. That's you know, that's fantastic narrative right there. Wait until we fucking talk about God of War. I'm gonna go <laughs> in on how colloquially all these fucking characters talk in this medieval world. It bothers the shit out of me. Oh, it's such a 
degree in this game. But anyway. <laughs> okay, sorry. Sorry for pulling that out of you, EJ. I just wanted to, you know, I, I had to snipe at you just a little bit to make myself feel better. <laughs> Moving along to our final two categories. We have best game direction, which is another um, game of the year light uh, award with these uh, best game direction awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design with nominees Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, and Stray. Creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. I'm going to keep it simple. It's got to be Elden Ring. I just like the George R. R. Martin thing gives it such a sexy factor. I just, I'm sorry. It's a, it, it, it by all accounts seems to be a well-realized world. God of War is great. It is. Uh, I, I just, I just feel like uh, uniqueness, um, originality goes a long way uh, in the award circuit in any medium. Um, I don't see any of the other ones. I, I don't see Hor- Horizons kind of like the bridesmaid of the AAA titles this year. Immortality. I, 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 For sure, yes. I mean, I don't think it has the staying power. Stray, I don't think it has the staying power. We all know it's going to be Elden Ring. I, I don't love that it's going to be Elden Ring necessarily, having not played some of the other games, but it just, it just seems easy to me. It just seems easy to me. I want to talk about this category just a little bit before I uh, let EJ start, but historically, I feel like this category has been less about game direction and more just direction direction. Death Stranding got this one in 2019. And I think it's because there were recognizable actors in that game. And I think that this is like, it says, you know, game direction to design, but I think that historically the um, jury has voted on this based on like just regular ass direction. So I do not think that Elden Ring will get it in that regard, but if they're, like, is that actually how they're going to vote? Like, that's what I'm going to have to guess, right? <laughs> so I could easily see it being just God of War because it's fantastically directed. The acting is fa- is fabulous, and I think that's because of the direction. But is if, it, if it's just, like, pure game design, like, Elden Ring has this by a mile. God of War is just another God of War. Horizon is just another Horizon. Immortality is, like, a cool indie game, but it's, it doesn't have the juice. Stray is a cat game, and it got there because of the cat perverts, but it's not going to have the juice overall so i don't know it's it it really does depend on how the jury votes on this category if they're voting it based on the actual description of the category or if they're voting on it based on the best game in the category or if they're voting on it because they see the word direction and they think directors yeah that's tough this is sort of the mvp award of uh you know if if game of the year is the fucking larry o'brien trophy this is the mvp trophy and it's like how do you define the mvp is it the player with the best stats? Is it the player who led his team to the best record? Is it the player who has the biggest impact like qualitatively on his respective team? There's so many ways to look at that uh, award. And there's not a lot of historical data saying that it goes one way or the other based right. on... There, the winner of this category is always nominated for Game of the Year also, right. but it is not always the winner of Game of the Year. I know that you just said something semi to the contrary, Nick, but it, it feels a little bit like Best Director at the Oscars, which has become, and I hate this, and I don't agree with this, and I do not agree with this, that it's become a de facto Best Picture coronation. Second place? <laughs> uh, well, not even <laughs> that. Just, just like just Best Picture again? Uh, exactly, that. 
that it's like, oh, well, you you directed what we think is, you know, the best movie of the year. So you must be the best director of the year Um, when you have like last year. And this is, you know, my own axe to grind as a Dune stan uh, that you have a film like that get nominated for literally every like editing artistic category, audio, visual, costume design, but you don't nominate the guy that coordinated all of it for best director. Like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. People don't understand what direction is. They just think that, Oh, this is a good product. The director must've been the direct, the direct result of that, which isn't necessarily always the case. Like Jane Campion, go fuck yourself. Like you were not the best director of a film last year, but the power of the dog was considered the front runner. So I don't see how I don't see how this is that different. I don't think people are capable of of separating. Oh, you did this thing as the person steering the vision of the game as opposed to, oh, you made a really good game. You must be very good at your job. And let me also interject really quick, because I did say that it is not always one to one, but I think it may have just been to like outliers because I'm looking last year, 2021. Best Game Direction went to Deathloop, and then Game of the Year went to It Takes Two. Year before, Last of Us Part Two got both. 2019, Death Stranding got Best Game Direction, but Sekiro got Game of the Year. Year before that, 2018, God of War got both Best Game Direction and Game of the Year. 2017, Zelda got Game of the Year and Best Game Direction. 2016, Overwatch got Game of the Year and Best Game Direction. So really, who knows yeah. what the category actually means? To me... If you were looking at strictly like game mechanics, um, like Elden Ring. Elden Ring by a mile. It's got way more compelling combat. But game direction is so... The scope of a game director's job is so much bigger than like a film director's job. Like, realistically, they're similar. But on a movie set, like your first producer is probably more important to how a movie ends up looking and feeling than the director most of the time he's getting paid more money he's he's overseeing everything and they have a lot of other producers who are the guys who do the quote-unquote grunt work even though they all get paid more than the director but but the director is is in most cases responsible for a pretty small slice of what happens with with like the actors on set a game director is overseeing every little facet everything that comes out of every different art department and he's in there trying to like, I mean, he's he's on the creative side, but he's also on the technical side. I mean, it's just, it's 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 a crazy scope. And so to me, I look at Elden Ring, which is a pretty, I don't want to, I don't want to offend anybody here. So I got to choose my words carefully. It's a much less varied experience than something like God of War creatively. God of War has an incredible number of very diverse environments you know, Elden Ring probably has much more diverse and uh, distinct boss variety in designs. And and so I'm trying to just like take the literal directing out of it, like the, the performances, which is obviously no small part of this equation. But like yeah, from an art perspective, there's just so much more to juggle in a game like God of War is, you know, having to come up with how nine different distinct worlds essentially that have to like not do what those other worlds are doing in that same game and be memorable, you know, in a way that like that I didn't think the first game even accomplished. I think, I think everything about the world design and the art direction of the second game is better than the first game. I can see that. And so, so anyway, that's a big factor, but, but it's hard to ignore that they just made a, a 17 hour film 
that would win awards in its own right as a fucking film. And that is such a huge part of it and dealing with the personalities and and literally directing. And so, yeah, if you if you want to split hairs and say, well, that's not video games, unfortunately for you, <laughs> it is. Um, and is a big part of how people enjoy certain kinds of games. No, I totally agree. I'm saying like I, I do like agree with you that game direction is more than just the the gameplay, obviously. But it's I'm just looking at the historical sort of how things have fallen in the past and seeing Death Stranding get best game direction first when Sekiro was also nominated for that category, but yeah, at one game crazy. of the year, but not that one. That's like, crazy. right. So so it is obviously more than just like make the actors do things in a room like yeah that's god of war does that fabulously horizon did that really really well this year too like from everything i've heard about horizon is that it actually upped the scope and it's cut scenes with npcs like less important characters all felt still really important everyone was mo-capped it was really wonderful it was like if skyrim had a 2022 style budget like that's what it could be is that like scope and that well written and all that kind of stuff, but I just don't think Horizon was liked enough to be like winning this category. Um, and that so then it's just between God of War and Elden Ring, and it's tough. It's really tough. I think it's gonna probably go Elden Ring just because it's gonna sweep Game of the Year. It's gonna win Game of the Year handily, and I think it also bleeds over into this because people really, really love people love their first um, like dalliance and enjoyment of a FromSoft game because it is so. It's not like so unique. It's not like the second coming of Christ. You know, it's just a really, really good game. And it does things that a lot of AAA games don't do. Like it does not hold your hand. You have an adventure. It's an adventure. You don't really go on your own adventure in God of War. You go on Kratos' adventure. In Elden Ring, you go on your adventure. And I think that is a more personal sort of attachment that people will get with a game like Elden Ring. So I think that um, That's bleeds so over into this. Because of the lack of like structured narrative in a game like Elden Ring, like you're not making choices. You are in like side quests and you have different game endings. I mean, it's an RPG. You have a million choices, but it's more in what build am I doing? Am I going to be a mage? Am I well, going to be sure. doing a sword build? Mechanically. You have a lot of different choices in the, the way you pursue quests. But a lot of that is like, you know, it's optional. It is totally, if you find it, then cool. If you don't find it, you miss it. Right. And it's that makes it more mysterious and more interesting when you do find it because you're like, oh my God, I stumbled across this thing. And then it turns into the meta narrative. It turns into the the uh water cooler moments where when I was playing this game, everyone in a Discord group I was in was playing this game. There was twelve of us basically playing this game at, you know, various similar paces, but people were beating the game really quickly. You know, people were doing every single thing that they could do. And it was just like, oh, my God, did you see this? Did you know about this? It's like, oh, my, I didn't find that place until 60 hours in this game. And you found it 10 hours in. You know, it's it's so varied. And that's part of the meta narrative. And that's like, you know, it's hard to separate that from the actual experience of what the game is by itself. But that's part of the, the game is the way you experience it. So that kind of adds to it. I don't think it's hard to separate. I think those are like those are amazing moments. And that's great when when a game you can have that experience with a game. Again, if you can beat a game essentially to completion, and I didn't experience like any of the optional stuff, and maybe that's thirty hours of content. But if I can beat the game and not experience that, like it's hard. If you to, beat like, the game, if you beat all the bosses, you have done side content. There are maybe twenty bosses that are optional. 
which you cannot get to without uh, interacting with different characters. Like if you don't do Alexander the Jar's side quest and, and go to Jarberg and have this heart wrenching story of this little jar who wants to become a hero. And he's just like this little this little boy with a little British accent. He's like, oh, so will you protect us. I want to become a good, great hero like Alexander. And another man stumbles in this village and he ends up sacrificing himself, fighting off people that are like basically hunting these jars for their gooey bits inside because they're full of the souls and blood of other fallen heroes. And that's why they're they have this heroic tendency to them. Like if you don't find that, then like you're going to miss out on a huge quest line that ends up with a boss fight against Alexander, this guy who we've helped out of a hole a couple times because he's like this kind of a, a buffoon, but he helps you in a boss fight as well. And he's like this big jar and he's great. You know, like there's a million moments like that. At the end of the day, <laughs> if we're going to say that the director of a video game is responsible for every single iota of the player's possible experience within this game, regardless well, that's ridiculous. of ridiculous, that's ridiculous to say. Is that not what you literally just said, that they're responsible for so much more than just actors in a room? This isn't best director, it's best direction. Which is responsible, and who is responsible for that, if not the director of the game? Like, I'm sorry, I thought that was like a, a, a fairly straightforward dotted line to draw. Like, there's one person's name on the credits as director of that game. And if ultimately they have the yay or nay for all of the choices in this game, then regardless of whether or not Every player is going to take every piece of content. We have to consider the, as Nick was saying, the holistic environment of these are all the things you can do. You don't have to do them, but if you do look at the rewards that are there for you, how could it be anything other than Elden Ring? Like, are we really going to say, oh, God of War, because they're going to, it's a movie, like it might as well be a film and we could just like walk you through all of these story beats. Or is it this world that it does everything that Elden Ring does essentially from a, a bird's eye view, but builds in that connective tissue in a way Elden Ring or any FromSoft game never has and probably never will. And that to me is the hardest part is, is, is yeah, you can throw in everything in the world into a game and some games have fucking tried. That doesn't make it good. Horizon is on this list. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that. that is not Elden Ring. Come on, get off the fence. Make your vote. Elden Ring will probably win this category. I'm going God of War. I, I'm, This is, like, one of the few categories I'm, like, strongly against Elden Ring winning against the competition. Like, like Elden Ring can do what it does amazingly, but if you're looking at the broad scope, like, God of War just does more. You gave it um, a 7-5. You gave it a 7-5, and you're going to give it best game direction? <laughs> That's above average. That's a fucking C, bro. That's not above average. That's seven. It's a C plus. That's above average. Seventy-five is C a C. Is like seven, period. You're That's out of your average. fucking mind. Seventy with this is shit. the. 70 is the fucking baseline. Oh my God. And you're going to say that's worthy <laughs> of, of Jesus is barely Christ. That. No, five would be mediocre. Seven's average. Oh my God. Okay, EJ. So <laughs> game of the year for you is God of War then? I'm yeah. Guessing? No, huh? Game Pony of the up, year bitch. is definitely going to be Elden Ring. And that is only because for wow. some reason, people fucking went gaga for this game. And it was just the perfect confluence of, especially because Nick... Actually, I don't know if you like this more than other FromSoft games, but all of my FromSoft game fans like easily were like, Elden Ring's not better than Dark Souls 2 or 3 or Bloodborne. It's better than Dark Souls 2. Maybe. It's better than Dark Souls 3. I don't know if it's better than Bloodborne. It performs better on PC, so that makes it a lot better. Bloodborne I find more interesting because I really like the setting and the um, eldritch horror of it. The uh, But that, I mean, that's a completely different, that's like a different 
That's a different conversation. Elden Ring does more. It's just more. It's more. It's it's those games more. It's a lot of it. And if you're there to just go fucking fight things, you're definitely going to fight things. EJ, I love when you're just so contrarian and you're like trying your best not to be like dismissive and put things down, but you do it with every single breath you take. It is a true knack that you have perfected over your uh, 30-something odd years on this planet. <laughs> you know, we were talking about our, our toxic traits this weekend, and you know, it's just co- it's coming through full force right now, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm really in my feels, and I just wanted to say thank you, and I appreciate you. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> thank you for getting me this animated, EJ. I'll jump in on this bandwagon. I didn't have like one moment of like, are you kidding me? Until then, so thank you. <laughs> Uh, also, Elden Ring's game of the year. Put me down for that. Oh, it is. Yeah, same. It is. Yeah, people, it is. I mean, it is. we all it was fucking just universally know. beloved. We all know it will be a shock if it wasn't. Yeah, let me really quick, just so just so I have like everything read read out. I want to do. I do want to read the uh, nominees for game of the year as well. It is what is it? It's a Plague Tale, Requiem, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon, Forbidden West, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles two or three strangely stray in an Elden Ring like that is a very strange bunch I would say for this past year in video games for those six to be the ones that floated to the top I'm not mad about it I really liked two of those games the two that I played um and it's just uh stray what a what a how did that get there that's weird right it's Sony <laughs> lobbying for it really I mean at the end yeah. of the day like it's relationships made that happen. Like of all the games, how is Stray up here and like Kirby isn't, you know, big facts. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's just money handshakes. Yeah. It's weird. Like I, I would have expected Kirby before Xenoblade. Like that's like, that's huge for me. Like that's, that's really great. But Kirby, I think would have fit on this list just as easily. And then Stray swap out any of the other best indie, like, you know, noms. It's the same reason why Coda won best picture last year, because Apple had a, fuckload of money to advertise it that is the only reason that was best picture at the oscars last year and that's how i feel about elden ring it, it was the perfect confluence it was the first real game that came out this year and the marketing it, they just hit a fucking niche that like my brother played elden ring he hasn't played a brand new video game since skyrim okay ej you should play elden ring i i mean i'm not spending my money on it give me your steam log and i might try it but i'm like I, I, I have so many other games to play. I already know FromSoft games really aren't for me. I've tried. Here, go to thepiratebay.org no, and no, no, then no, no, just no, no. get it yourself. No, no. <laughs> Elden Ring's by all accounts, a great game, as are all FromSoft games. That is great. How it became such a cultural fucking phenomenon the way it did. I mean, it, George R. R. Martin obviously had something to do with it, even post-Game of Thrones disaster. Um, it was the first game that came out this year you know, on, on, on next gen consoles that are starved for fucking next gen experiences. It was huge and it was great. Just hit at the right time. And that's why this game, if this game came out six months later, dude, you're tripping. I want to say they gave sales numbers. (laughs) Sorry, Chris. I want to say they just gave sales numbers that it just, that it broke 20 million. That's crazy. Like that's a lot, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe EJ. You just don't like it, and that doesn't affect its objective <laughs> quality. Maybe that's what's happening here. I'm not arguing that here. it does. 
So get uh, the fuck like, out of here with this. How is this game of the year conversation? Like, come on, man. Like, it's not sorry, for not, you. Not 20, 17.5, 17.5. still, that's, that's a lot. That's a fuckload of copies. <laughs> like Breath of the Wild won all that shit. Like Breath of the Wild was not the best game that came out that year. People t- said literally it was the best video game of all time. We're going to go on this argument again. Wind Waker <laughs> Chris sucks. Is <laughs> Chris is Wind gone. Waker <laughs> sucks. I said it. <laughs> Zelda in general just sucks. I'm not afraid to say that. Breath of the Wild was, was far and away the greatest game that came out in 2017. I had a lot of fun with uh, with uh, Super Mario Odyssey. That was a really fun game. I think it's the best uh, 3D Mario game. No, that game's awful. Chris, you need to go back to it after playing that uh, collection of the 3D All-Stars because Mario Odyssey is truly a just fantastic time. Joyous. Love the music. Love the locations. The fact that it's better than Mario Galaxy doesn't mean it's a 10 out of 10. It means it's better than a bad game. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not doing this. Like, it's got problems. Here we want to talk about being objective in evaluating games right now. It's not good. Just because it's got Mario in it, that doesn't mean it's a 9 out of 10 automatically. There has never been a good 3D Mario game. Ever. Ever been a good 3D Mario game. I agree until Odyssey. Odyssey was the <laughs> only good 3D Mario game. And if you replaced him with like any character, still All a of good them have game. Bad cameras. They've got g- g- good mid to good music at best. They've got bad cameras. The uh, mechanics for navigating the world in 3D Mario ranges from god awful to manageable at best. It doesn't work. It does it doesn't work. It's not even the best platformer on the market. Chris you just have to admit that just because you don't like it doesn't mean that they're objectively bad. You don't know? you they're say the don't good. you Everyone say my fucking games. words to me? Don't you say to me what I said to him? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Just, uh, I have to pull you down to earth before you go full tilt because I mean, I love it. It's I was true. I was on the way to a meltdown. I was like, I'm not doing this fucking Breath of the Wild fight again. I'm not. I'm not doing it. But I did and. Thank you, you got dragged in. You got I'm back. It's you fine. Got, got, dude. I'm here. It's good. Yeah. I'm good. Chris, what you said today, expectations are really the problem in how people evaluate their experiences. And I think that goes both ways. If you have high expectations for something, it could totally ruin them for you. It's like why people thought Legend Arceus was good. Oh, it's such a step forward for the Pokemon franchise. If that was any other RPG mainline fucking title that people love, it would have been fucking buried but because it's pokemon and it's nintendo you know everyone's oh it's such a step forward oh anyway those are fun conversations to have Elden ring is great a great game all the FromSoft games are great games i've played two of them three of them actually i know you played three i played three with you i know you played bloodborne yeah i mean yeah the FromSoft games are, are fantastic Elden Ring's gonna get finally get some get some extra flowers. I know Sekiro got game of the year, but that was like just a weird soft year, and that was like a weird spin-off Activision published, not RPG from soft game. It's like a very strange kind of scenario that that game thrived in. But yeah, Elden Ring, dude. Elden Ring Goaty. It'll definitely win. Goaty for Shouty. It'll definitely win. How big of an upset will it be if for some reason it does? I mean, it will, but but for some reason. God of War wins and starts sweeping categories. Like how fucking irate will the internet be? Yeah, people will be, will be mad. <laughs> yeah, true. yeah, the FromSoft corner will melt down. Yeah, I said it myself. There are plenty of categories in which God of War will get its flowers. You know, best action adventure, it's going to win. Best audio design, I think it's going to win. Best narrative, I think it's got it. And then Chris Judge, 
he's going to have that acceptance speech for best performance and he's going to be crying because of I'm you remember that was that last year where he was like talking about how he's like oh I'm the reason why God of War is taking so long I had this bad injury I like tore mace I like got in a car accident got all yeah, fucked up yeah, and I couldn't yeah. do my motion capture and he was just like burying his soul on Twitter so that's going to be a big emotional you know that like seeing the culmination of his efforts and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be good. It's going to go to him. It's, it has to, and right? it should. So. He's phenomenal. Oh yeah. I well, agree. the problem is with these awards and we've seen it before is like, what's the year that red dead won everything. 2018. Yeah. 2018. God of War year. And Oh God. They yeah. didn't win game of the year. Got to work out game of the year. Right. So red dead only won what performance and maybe music. I think you got music. Best narrative. It got best narrative. Yeah, there there are times that score, you, you just look yeah. at it. Breath of the Wild year, so many like. Oh yeah, it just a, yeah. It so so these award they're hard to predict. Hey, but you know what? Something for you. Cuphead got best art direction in 2017 against Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. It should have. Yeah, you know, like the things can still come through, even though there's like a clear winner for Game of the Year. Like best music went to Near Automata that year. Best audio design did go to Hellblade. You know. And on that note, so Chris has a, a, big, a blazer game to get to. A bi- I do, but a big tip of the glass to all of the nominees. They deserve. He's not even talking here. into the mic right now. <laughs> a big tip of the glass. Go- I forgot what I forgot. I forgot in what medium we work. Okay, I'm used to doing it live, Limbaugh style. Right <laughs> a big tip of the glass to all of these nominees. They deserve to be here. They deserve to be where they are. We should all be so lucky as to be a part of or to experience uh, the higher levels of excellence when it comes to video games. Cheers to you. I hope to God I win this pool because God knows I need the bragging rights. I'm losing the fantasy critic league. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. Uh, But thanks to you all. Can't wait to start God of War tonight. Really quick before we get out of here, because I mean, I don't know if we want to be recording soon again, but. Game like game awards, it's only like like maybe thirty percent awards. There's probably gonna be like announcements, right? Like, should we talk about that too? Should we like bear our hearts and souls and our hopes and dreams, or are we just gonna like just take it as it is? is still that what we do now. There's still a chance. There's still a yeah, chance. There's a chance. It's not coming out this year. I agree. River City Girls too, though is we could get a release date. I mean, I don't know. It could That's be true. like, hey, check us out June. Maybe like a uh, uh, most likely and then a cloud nine, like it's something we expect to see and something in our wildest dreams we hope to see. Just a coda this episode. Like Prime four. Huh? <laughs> there will be nothing exciting from Nintendo. However, we will get Horizon DLC. Mm-hmm. My cloud nine is let's just go Reggie having something to do with Mother 3 release you just said no nintendo you literally just said there's gonna be no nintendo then you, <laughs> then you turn around and say it's the cloud oh, nintendo. it's the fucking dream that isn't gonna happen i want reggie to show up and make some fucking you, joke about mother 3 and then actually reveal mother 3 for nintendo that'd be tight it wouldn't happen but i that's my fucking pie in the sky okay did you did you like mother 3 you like that game yes nick what about you yeah that's kind of surprising i think it is not outside the realm of possibility to see prime 4 I also think it's not outside the realm of possibility to see Hollow Knight Silk Song. I think those are two of my most anticipated games that are unknown quantities at this point. Tears of the Kingdom is still fairly unknown, but it has release date. And then we know we're going to get like a really bombastic trailer early next year. And I'm going to be really stoked. And that's going to be a great game. 
Um, besides that, I can't really foresee what would be the thing that like I really want. So I want to be surprised. I want to see something that like really catches my attention. I think that would be really fantastic. Um, what do I expect? I don't expect anything from Nintendo, like EJ said, and like I said earlier, where Reggie, I think, was the relationship that Jeff had that allowed him to really pull in those sort of marketing beats, those co-marketing beats with the cool reveals. The Joker reveal for Smash Bros. was like really hype. It was really cool. It was a really cool moment. Like you didn't have to be invested in the the game franchise to think that that was a cool moment. Like I, I, I found that very intense and exciting i love smash reveals though that's like a special beast and it's sad that that's over so you know maybe something new from sakurai maybe his next project that's like outside of smash i mean he's still a game developer i know he's a goddamn millionaire and can just hang out and do youtube videos for all his life but he loves making video games as is clear from his youtube channel so it'd be really cool to see a new sakurai project as well i think that's not outside the possibility we're just gonna see some weirdo um Hideo Kojima project announcement. That's Please, gonna happen. dude. Fuck, I hate Hideo Kojima. Get out of here. Fucking Hideo. I'm so sick of that, dude. I'm sick of his... What? We do, that's another plot for another time. I, I do not bring him to my game awards. I do not need more Kojima. A weird take, but you know, I'll accept it. <laughs> Chris? Uh, most likely, we will see an update on one of the Star Wars projects in development. I think that uh, it's Fuck been enough one? time. Well, I'm not going to leave that to uh, specificity. I'm oh. going to leave that to the winds of chance. Okay. Uh, I'm just saying Star Wars. I think that we will see uh, an update on one of the uh, Star Wars projects that's in development. I think that's very likely. That the multiplayer shooter that's on Switch and mobile. Sure. I mean, maybe we'll see like another Eclipse teaser. I don't know. But I just think we're going to see something Star Wars. It, they, they've been... They're riding the wave of Andor. They're there. I just saw they're going to air the first two episodes of that on a bunch of like network television stations over the Thanksgiving break. They're feeling themselves. We're going to see some Star Wars. Actually, you know what? You know what I bet they do? I bet they announce a Mandalorian game and that Pedro Pascal is going to be a um, announcer for one of the um, categories. That could be cool because of Last of Us next year. Yep, that's true. That's true. Uh, my pie in the sky. Uh, I mean, there's only one thing for me, and uh, that is not even Metroid Prime Four. It's it's the trilogy. Like if this if this Prime One remaster HD update, whatever the fuck you want to call it, if it's really done, it's time to fucking show it. And I think that that's all I could hope to see is confirmation that that is really happening. Uh, I'm trying to forget that Prime Four exists. As long as possible. I think at this point, they are so, uh, the yoke on their neck from Prime 4 is such that they are deathly afraid of showing a Prime trilogy without having news about Prime 4, that they will not show one without the other. That is my speculation and my guess. I think you don't get a Prime trilogy until they say, hey, here's what Prime 4 looks like. Here is a release year that we might not even hit, but you will not see one without the other. I would buy it. Actually, that's not necessarily true. You could say you could show Prime 4 and not do Prime Trilogy. Nintendo would be very happy to do just that as well. But if they are doing Prime Trilogy, they won't just be like, hey, here's Prime Trilogy. They do not want another Federation Force fiasco on their hands, which they probably blamed on it being a Metroid Prime game without having Samus as a playable character, but also you need like the real game 
to be held up by the the remake the the thing that's the filler the gap you know well on that note this has been the constant crusade podcast chris we got to talk star wars shows soon got a lot of thoughts just finished andor we're caught up to andor oh god oh god okay not not right now not at this moment (laughs) yeah count me down